Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Good evening, everybody. Uh, we're running a little late again for usual. Uh, this is Colin Derrick. I'm actually uh, standing in uh, for Sonia to do the show. And even though the title of it is Ontario, Canada, Common Law, uh, we all have a different opinion as to what common law is. And clearly we're not in Ontario, Canada. But nobody else has stepped up to take take hold of the show and carry it on. So that's basically what I'm doing here. So we're going to address a few items. And because I see we have an awful lot of shills on here tonight, as I said, I'm going to go ahead and read a message that was sent to me uh, now that we're recording. It says here, are you hosting the Friday Night Show Club tonight? Your, quote, fans have been tearing up other talk shows as well. So that is what I was get, addressing. We just started the recording. So we'll start there. Um, the There must be a reason that these people are taking their time out of their day and running around and harassing and hassling other people, they're getting a name for themselves. Every I'm getting messages all over the place. That's just one. I probably had 10 or 15. So everybody's getting to know these people, even though they're acting under fictitious uh, entities or personas, face one, F-A-C-E-O-N-E, and then one, one, one. Then there's Jeffrey, one, two, three, what is it, one, two, three, five, no, one, two, five, three, four. Um, and I'm still waiting for... Um, you know, Mr. Number One Chill, Roddy, who is actually Joseph in, in Oklahoma, who's starting out is the one that got me on the show to begin with. He kept asking me to come over, and he's asked me to come on other shows as well and explain statute and uh, how it relates to common law and how important statutes are and codes are and so on and so forth. And now, of course, he's got a new sidekick or guru or sidekick guru and been listening to him, and now he's going off the deep end, and I heard a recording uh, where he had harassed somebody on their show and pissed them off you know, pretty pretty well, and then he went and did his own show where he mimicked the guy, which I think his name is Freeman. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the exact one or not, but I know I've listened to that guy before. He's got, In fact, I've talked to him. He's called me, and I've given him some information as well. We've traded but uh, he's been helping out a lot of people, and he just got really pissed off immediately. And then Roddy took the time out of his day to do a show where he was the only one on there pretending like he was muting somebody out, you know, because they were cuffing up a storm. And uh, it's, almost, it's almost humorous. You know, it's almost comedy. And, uh, you know, comedy is fine for relief, but when it's hurting other people, it's clearly causing harm. So... Uh, you know, basically what they're doing is they're burying themselves deeper and deeper. They're putting recorded information, which is, can be used in a court of law, uh, and we'll see how they how they stand up when it comes to, uh, uh, you know, defacing other people and uh, causing people harm 
and slander, and, and, and I've just been doing a case actually with Deborah for the last two years, so I'm fairly familiar with the slander, at least the rules in Oregon, which is a pretty tough state. But this, I wouldn't be doing it in a state because we don't know what state they're in. So we go to federal for that reason. And be real interested to see, you know, how they handle themselves in a real situation in federal court. Um, it'll be the first time in federal court, but not the first time in court for me. So it should be a lot of fun uh, to watch, you know, watch them shit in their pants when they realize that that man sitting in a robe on there can make a determination. And if we have a jury, the jury's going to listen to their disgusting words and their postings up here in writing and how they've been defacing other people and slandering them and so on and so forth. Uh, there's substantial evidence out there. So it, it'd be good practice. It'd be kind of fun to do. And who knows, they may end up in jail for a little while. Uh, and then they might see things differently. And Roddy, certainly, I think he has a commercial driving job, so he clearly has a persona. So I think uh, it's possible that he could, um, you know, uh, he's jeopardizing his own position. Apparently the rest of them don't have any, any job. They're obviously not doing anything of useful and value because anyone is, they, they want to lift people up. They don't want to tear people down. Um, so that was the, um, hold on typing in here. That was at the end of the last show. I believe it was Law... I can't remember his, his handle. Um, law something or other. Something Law. I can't think of the name of it right now. Forgive me. But he said, it's not a war. And I think this is... You know, I wanted to address that in this show um, this week because if um Stealing people's homes, stealing people's children, stealing people's lives is not acts of war. I don't know what is. Law fan, thank you. Hey, how you doing? Uh, so, yeah, I'm addressing your thing at the end of the show. Um, you know, I've been in a war zone, and the type of um, degradation that I see and destruction that's going on in this country by the millions. Do you guys realize how many now... Uh, we're talking over over 80 to 90 million people have been thrown out of their homes just in the last three years on fraud closures. Not to mention the other 250 million people over the last five years who've had their property stolen uh, under fraudulent tax sales. And how many millions of children have been stolen by these people? How many tens of millions of people are in jail under false and fraudulent uh, charges? Now, I don't know what else you want to call that other than war. It's clearly war. Because when I swore an oath when I was in the military, which I was discharged of, I swore to defend this country from enemies without as well as enemies within. These are clearly enemies within. I don't know what else you want to call it other than war. It says in, in Scripture that we're, this is a war of principalities. And clearly, uh, you know, as I've watched the degradation of um, Roddy, you know, which is actually Joseph, in Oklahoma, I've watched him go from a seemingly kind person and interested person and, and careful person. When it, he, he apparently went back and listened to all of my old recordings going way back. Um, uh, so, you know, clearly had something going on because he's truck driving. Yes, he had time to do it. And he's turned into literally a raving maniac. Uh, you know, some of the things I've heard on, his, on, on the show, like I say, he did a show really quick the other day. Uh, um, you know, okay, 
you know, his show the other day where he's mimicking, uh, you know, the guy they went on and harassed when he got all pissed off and cussed at him. Uh, you know, he, uh, he, you know, he's trying to mimic him. I mean, how ridiculous, okay? Uh, law fan, uh, answer your question. And this should cover an awful lot of questions people have, you know, about the straw man, uh, martial law, 14th Amendment citizen, all of that stuff. And I'm calling it stuff for a reason. Listen very carefully what I'm about to share with you and think about it for a minute. Because I've done a lot of thinking and analyzing this. And I, and I ran down all those uh, rabbit holes. Like I told the story about the flying of the flag and I did that whole admiralty thing. And, and I've actually made it, made a fool out of myself by going into court and, and, and even putting documents and writing it. Now, I do, uh, let me qualify, I do believe, and in fact, I'm certain of it, that there is definitely a difference between the all uppercase entity and the man or woman, okay? But that does not mean, now the straw man is a good concept, and there was a good videos and so on. Martial law, same thing. Even if that is true, because you can find all sorts of videos about it. We've been under martial law since, what, 1860, okay? Uh, you know, things have gone out here and gone out the window there and blah, 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 blah. All of that may, in fact, be true, but since you can't prove it, why are you bringing it up? And why would you want to prove something that benefits them? Oh, your honor, uh, you know, I want to challenge this, but I realize that I can't because I understand we're under martial law and you can screw me just for no reason whatsoever. So go right ahead and screw me. I just gave you the door and let you know that you can lawfully screw me, and I know about that and I get it, okay? Um, what matters is what can they prove, not what you can prove. What can they prove? I have yet to see a case, and I've read an awful lot. I haven't read all of them out there, obviously, but I have yet to find a case, and if someone has it, please send it, where somebody has lost their property, their child, gone to jail, because either the prosecutor or the judge out there said, son, well, don't you know we're under martial law, and as a result, I can do to you whatever the hell I want? No, I don't. Haven't heard it, haven't seen it. So why would you give them ammunition? Like I said, even if it's true, and I don't know, I, you know I'm not saying whether it is or isn't. You can go do your own research. Um, but what I'm saying is that even if it is true, they still are not using it, so why should you? Why give them ammunition, uh, any ammunition against them? It's just kind of, it's just kind of stupid. I, I don't mean to be rude, but it's stupid. What you want to do is say, prove it. If they were to say martial law, I say, okay, what does that mean? What does martial law mean? Well, if we're under martial law, go read um, the, uh, what's it called, the Lieber Code. Go read the Lieber Code. We did a whole study on that about, what, oh, my God, four years ago now, five years ago? And we had a whole group of people, about 15, 20 people, and sure enough, we got no more than one-third of the way through. We had half the people. By the time we got half the way through, there was only two people left. And by the time I read into the part where I found the solution, which three-quarters of the way through, there was only one other person there. And the solution, if you go read the Lieber Code, the solution is clearly in there. And guess what? When you go read the Lieber Code you'll find that they can't do what you're believing that they can do under martial law. People don't know that under any kind of uh, martial law, Libra code, uh, any kind, even invasion, under all admiralty law, 
all of them have rules. And because I was in the military, I knew the Uniform Code of Military Justice, UCMJ. And I've actually won 12 out of 13 captains mass. There is a true lawful kangaroo court out at sea. Even though we were in port at the time, it's considered to be out at sea because it was uh, tied up. I believe it was tied up or anchored. But it was a captain's mast. Okay? I was able to use the UCMJ, Uniform Code of Military Justice, to make my point. Because under the UCMJ, it's not a matter of you have the right to bring somebody in who might be a witness. Okay? It is compelled. Or rather, you have the right to compel somebody. In the military, you're obligated to do so. You're obligated to come forth with any information you might have. So it's a higher standard. And in fact, it's the thing I've been trying to say. The more you read the standards, the more you read um, uh, statutes, codes, regulations, uh, constitutions, all those things that everybody keeps trying to get you to run away from. By the way, I believe that this is what's called controlled um, opposition. And what that means is that they create these facades in order to get people to believe in them so they get themselves into deeper trouble. In fact, we found out a couple years ago that there were attorneys that were putting out a bunch of shit so that people would grab a hold of it because they know that when when push comes to shove and they get themselves under criminal charges, the first thing 99.9% of those badasses will do is go get an attorney. And they're giggling all the way to the bank. They think it's hilarious and funny. They're looking at each other and laughing because you fished in. Is lots of people fish in and they do this crazy shit and then they call an attorney to get them out of it. So hopefully that covers all of those conversations, but if you want to go into detail on them, uh, you know, like I said, you can go into the Uniform Code of Military Justice, you can go into the Libra Code, you can go into all this other stuff and find out that they're still bound by rules and regulations that they can't get out of, okay? Not that, but, you know, common sense. It's rather interesting that you're saying that the uh, when you're under martial law, you suspend the, the Constitution. The question is, does that suspend the oath of the people that have sworn to, to, to support it? I don't think so. I don't think when they raise their hand, they said, oh, I, I swear to uphold and serve and protect and da-da-da-da-da, except for when there's martial law. I didn't hear an exception in that oath of office. So from my point of view, they're still required to support it. And it's very clear in Article 6, the senators and representatives before mentioned, as well as the members of the several state legislatures, and all executive and judicial officers, that includes all of your attorneys, shall, both of the United States and of the several states, they're very clear, both of the United States, which tells you the United States is a separate entity from all of the several states, shall be bound by oath or affirmation to support this Constitution. Right? So, they're required to do it. There's no way around it. Uh, again, going to Article 3, Section 1, which clearly states that the judges, both of the Supreme and the inferior court, shall uh, uh, hold their office during good behavior, which clearly means, and I've looked this up, I did more studying on it, uh, just to confirm what I was saying, and yeah, I've confirmed it, that, um, that it is good behavior is, is the, the bar. If they're not engaged in good behavior, they don't hold their office. It's really that simple, which means they're impersonators. And that's true with all of them because none of them know the Constitution, so they can't very well support something they don't know. And that's, what the, that's where the 10 questions came from, and I've used them several times successfully. In fact, I've done the 10 questions on uh, live 
um, on on the show be- just before. Um, in fact, it was one of the first shows that was a nationwide show. I did it to a sheriff uh, who was actually a good guy when um, um, uh, Mike Golden was hosting. Uh, that's when he got his big nationwide just before they, you know, as far as I'm concerned, they killed him. Um, so, you know, this can be done. I've shown how to do it. Um, I've done similar things with the 18 U.S.C. subsection 4, this prism of felony. Um, so there's a lot of tools for us to use out there, and there's no reason not to use them. They're made by us, for us. Everyone, that the real simple thing, it's so simple it's not even funny, is that these statutes, these codes, these rules, these regulations are made to regulate the public servants, the officers, the agents, the office holders. It's never and never was, and if you go read them, you'll see that it doesn't apply to the people. It never uses the word people. It always uses the term person, and it always defines person specifically. As I've mentioned several times, if you go and look in the tax code, it's person, and it's defined. That ought to be a real clue. Person is defined as jackass Roddy, jackass uh, uh, Jeffrey, jackass uh, uh, somebody else, okay? That's what it means. It doesn't mean another jackass. Okay? It's only those specific jackasses, in fact. Okay? So, and it doesn't mean a donkey. It means a jackass. It's very, 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 very specific as to what it's talking about. It's very specific. Therefore, that should be a clue, as well as the court case, which we bring up over and over and over again, that they cannot misconstrue, uh, 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 extend, expand here i'm going to get it here hold on a second it's in it's in my file here in my hard file not on my computer so let me go get it read it to you this is how i'm basically boxing in on this other case find it here jeffrey no insult necessarily unless unless you know the shoe fits however Jackass, I haven't defined jackass yet. All right, let me read this to you. Now, in this, I've read it before. I'm sure people were not paying attention because I'm beginning to realize people want entertainment more than they want information. But uh, let me see, let me see, let me see, let me see. Let me go. Okay. Uh, statement number one, on or about such and such, blah, 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 Officer Crone arrested, quote, the vehicular travel, end quote. Now, where did that term come from? Uh, that came from, let's go back to the end notes here. Number one, C, State versus McIntyre. 1979, quote, a person is restrained, and there probably person is not defined specifically, uh, or if it is, it's going to include the people, or you have a person, you're engaged as a person. Quote, a person is restrained or imprisoned when he is deprived of either liberty of movement or freedom to remain in the place of his lawful choice, and such restraint or imprisonment may be accomplished by physical force alone or by threat of force, or by conduct reasonably implying that force will be used. 
And then it uses more cases, which is Kilcup versus McManus. McManus, yes. Mm -hmm. And United States versus Henry versus U.S. State versus buyer. And more versus payer, pay and save. So you have several cases to back that up. So let's go to line two. All right. Uh, Jeffrey, I see you're saying... Uh, okay, let's see. I'm trying to read the board here. I know I shouldn't, but I'm going to today and see if I have to shut the board down. And why does the president sign every year? He doesn't. Good. I know better. The war on puts on under the date of emergency. Not another patriot myth. Agree. Buzzwords, yep. Wow, why call me jackass? I haven't defined jackass yet. Jackasses are stubborn. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, but again, I haven't defined it. Jeffrey says, let me see, he says, the guy who won't accept that he's wrong about the definition of person. Jeffrey, how can I possibly be wrong about the definition of person when there is no right definition of person considering that the term person is used a multitude of different ways and defined. I just got through saying that person is defined differently in almost every statute and goes and differently from state to state. If you're in the motor vehicle code in Section 1, it's defined one way. If you're in Section 2, it's defined in another way. If you're in Section 3, it's defined another way. And then if you go over to the tax code, it's defined another way. Then you go to Oklahoma, they define another way. So how can it possibly be a right or a wrong way to define person when person is defined differently. Yeah, you say you're claiming that the definition of person does not include you. That is wrong. No, it's not. How can you say it's wrong when person is defined as limited liability company? Am I a limited liability company? No. Any you got any evidence on the see there we go again. What evidence do you have that I'm a person? That's, I'm just turning it back on you. What evidence do you have that I'm a person is defined under the tax code, which is a limited liability company, a partnership, a fiduciary, a trust, a corporation, and shall include all municipal subdivisions of the state. Well, I think anyone who knows me has looked at me, knows that I look a lot more like a man. I don't look like a partnership, limited liability company, corporation, or otherwise or it's certainly not a municipal subdivision of the state. So therefore, under that definition of that code, clearly I am not a person. Now, he's still, well, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right, uh, Liam, but he's hard-headed. Look, here he's going again. You're a human being that makes you a person. No, it doesn't. That's the whole point. You just you won't listen. You refuse to listen to facts. Uh, a 240-year history of this country, nobody has ever convinced the court that he is not a person. You are wasting your time. No, I have. Yes, I have. I've done it. Did it in court. And you know what happened? The, the district attorney sitting there stomped his feet because I showed the definition. He stomped his feet. Your Honor, he's refusing to pay the taxes. I'm not refusing to pay anything. Just show me the lawful tax that I'm obligated to pay. No, I'm not. I got a recording of it if you want to listen to it, Jeffrey. Okay? So I'm about ready to mute out the uh, the thing if you don't shut up because you're wrong. The fact, go read the statutes. You obviously never read them because they define them differently. And if you want to consider yourself a person under the definition 
that, that they're doing under whatever statute it is, and you believe that you're liable there to go right ahead. I choose not to, and that's a thing called freedom. All right, let me see. Let me go back to what I was actually trying to give some pertinent information. But go read for yourself about 50 different statutes and find out how the term person is defined differently every time, okay? Oh, I know what I wanted to read. Here it is. Here it is, the footnote. Uh, When is the Miranda warning required? Ah, here it is, number three. When interpreting a statute, the courts have to give full force and effect to every word thereof. See Foot, Foot, that's F-O-O-T, if you want to do some um, actual research here and actual reading instead of spouting off your mouth. Foot, F-O-O-T-E versus Commonwealth of Virginia. Oh, great. That's where I'm at now. That's awesome. Uh, oh, that's why I chose it, because I'm in Virginia in this particular case. Also see 73 Anger 2D 146, subsection 146. And that goes to the case was in 1990s. So it's pretty recent. Dot, dot, dot. The courts should not enlarge statutory definitions so as to include a situation which might be assumed the legislature would have covered by in a large definition if its existence would have been contemplated. What is that saying? That they cannot in any way enlarge the definition, misconstrue it, or misuse it. So if it says limited liability company corporation and, and every municipal subdivision of the state, then it only means that. Just like when you read the actual statutes and codes themselves, I'll give you an example. I'll read some right here because I happen to have them because I'm printing them out. What a concept. Find them, read them, print them out, and highlight them. And if you're not doing that, you don't know what the hell you're talking about because you can't remember everything. I do fairly good on some of this stuff. So let me just read some some of the the, the actual quotes that I found. I don't have the entire thing yet because uh, on my computer. But I'm just going to give you an idea. Uh, person, under 46.2-2900 definitions, person means an individual firm, co-partnership, corporation, company, association, or joint stock association, and includes, and we've mentioned this before, if it says it includes, it's not exclusive, but inclusive, okay? And includes any trustee, receiver, assignee, or personal representative thereof. So we're talking about a trustee, receiver, assignee, or personal representative of what? Of a firm, co-partnership, corporation, company, association, or joint stock association. Aha. So only those things have to do with it. All right? That's the only definition. They cannot stretch it, cannot screw it. You don't see anywhere in this definition where it says all of the people you don't even see where it says 14th Amendment citizen, which is another thing I wanted to mention for all you 14th Amendment citizen, citizeners out there. Find me one case where it says that, oh, you're screwed, you don't have any rights because you're a 14th Amendment citizen. Can't find it. But why do it? Uh, here again. Now, now that we have a definition of what a person is, which is a firm, co-partnership, corporation, company, association, or joint stock association, and when you go through and read all this, you begin to see what they're talking about. Um, property carrier means any person not here and exempted who undertakes, there's keywords, uh, these are keywords, undertakes, 
Undertake means to do something, either directly or by lease, to transport property for compensation altogether. Listen to what it says one more time. Who undertakes, either directly or by lease, again, leasing is a business, to transport property for compensation. Let me repeat it. To transport property, and for what reason? For compensation. It's all together. You can't sit there and separate. It's all together. To transport for compensation. Okay? Now, that when you look up transport, it actually has to do with business activity. Otherwise, you're just simply traveling. And people think that that word traveling is not there. It's right here, and I'm going to read it to you in a couple minutes. So let's keep going. Property carrier me oh, I didn't get that. Restricted common carrier. So you have a restricted common carrier. It means any person, which is what? So I'm going to, every time person comes up, I'm going to read the following. Firm, co-partnership, corporation, company, association, or joint stock association, or trustee, receiver, assignee, or personal representative thereof, who undertakes, whether directly or a lease or other arrangement, to transport household goods by motor vehicle, not vehicle, for compensation, whether over regular or irregular routes. There you go again. You see, every single time. Uh, no, these are not court opinions. This is the actual code you guys don't want to read, you guys are staying away from. The codes that actually will find your freedom because you'll see that, oh, I'm not mentioned in here. So that's what I'm actually reading. Guess 10. These are actually right out of 46.2. This is 46.2. Uh, dash 2910. Uh, uh, so let me reread that. Restricted common carrier means any firm, corporation, co-partnership, company, association, or joint stock association, or trustee, receiver, assignee, or personal representative thereof, who undertakes, whether directly or by lease or other arrangement, to transport household goods by motor vehicle, for compensation, whether over regular or irregular routes. Services and transportation, quote, those are quotations on those two terms. They, once they put quotations on, it becomes a term, not a word. Services and transportation includes the services of. Services is a clue. They're engaged in some sort of business. Of and all transportation by a vehicle operated by, for, or in the interest of any motor carrier, irrespective of ownership or contract, expressed or implied, together with all facilities and property operated or controlled by any such carrier or carriers and used and used and used in the transportation of property or in the performance of any service in connection therewith. Now, can we be any clearer than that? This is so clear, it's not even funny. 46.2870. Passenger motor vehicle, if the, if the vehicle is a passenger motor vehicle, bus, pickup or panel, truck or motor vehicle, da, 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 da. transport passengers. Motor carrier means any person. What is person again? Any firm. So let's read it again. Motor carrier means any Firm, co-partnership, corporation, company, association, or joint stock association, including the trustee, receiver, signing, or representative thereof, who undertakes, whether directly or by lease, to transport passengers for compensation over highways of the Commonwealth. 
this is interesting. I mentioned this before when I did those criminal charges. I had to look up um, on the on the vessel. I looked up the definition of vessel because they were charging me with abandoning a vessel. Blah blah blah. Here it is. I found that virtually the same thing has to do with with water. Motor launch means a motor vessel that meets the requirements of the U.S. Coast Guard for the guess what carriage of passengers for compensation with a capacity of six or more passengers, but not in excess of 50 passengers. Quote, motor launch does not include sightseeing vessels, special or charter party vessels with the provision of this charter because they have a separate section for, obviously, for a sightseeing vessel or or a charter party vessel. A carrier by motor launch shall not be regarded as a steamship company. So you see, when you start reading it, it becomes very clear that they're very, very, they go out of their way to be extremely specific because they are limited and they're extremely limited in what they can and cannot regulate. That's why they're being so careful as to make sure they don't say those keywords, people, man, woman, uh, um, 14th Amendment citizen, citizen, uh, sovereign, sovereign, they don't even say sovereign citizen. None of those things are mentioned, so clearly it does not. As we mentioned before, and I will read it one more time to pound it into the head. And by the way, if people would quit arguing about this stuff, I'd quit repeating it and pounding it into the head. <clears throat> but many times it takes that much, even for myself. So, when, inter- this is a quotation, quote, out of case law here. Okay, this is suit, F-O-O-T-E, versus Commonwealth. When interpreting a statute, the courts have to give full force and effect to every word thereof. The courts should not should not enlarge statutory definitions so as to include situations which might be assumed the legislator would have covered by an enlarged definition if it exists if its existence would have been contemplated. And all that's saying is just because they didn't contemplate jet airplanes does not mean that they can enlarge it to include jet airplanes. If it's not in the statute, they can't do it. Okay? It's real clear. When it says no state shall make or enforce any law that abridges the privileges or immunities of the citizens of the United States, that's exactly what it means. It doesn't mean anything else. You can't extend it. Uh, okay, we did that one. Did that one. Uh, here, here, I'll just give you some. I'm going to run through some other stuff that's really cool here. They've got interstate means transportation of passengers between states. What? Interstate means transportation of passengers. Well, clearly, if you are not engaged in something for compensation, you don't have passengers. So if a cop says, how many passengers do you have in your car? You say, I don't have any passengers in my car. I've got people that are riding along with me, but none of them are passengers because none of, because the first thing you need to do, instead of answering the question, is turn around and say, is anybody paying here? For me to transport them. Nope. So make your conclusion. Intrastate means transportation of passengers solely within the state. Da, 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 da. Uh, license means a license issued by the department to, listen to this term, a broker. Isn't that interesting? Let me repeat that. I find this interesting. I haven't analyzed this. I just discovered it right now. It's pretty cool. License, in quotations, means a license issued by the department to a broker. So what does that tell you about this whole section? Anyone who has a license must, first of all, be a broker. What? Are you a broker? 
Minibus means any motor vehicle, again, motor vehicle, having a seating capacity of not less than seven nor more than 31 passengers, including the driver, and used, oh, wait a minute, they didn't leave this out, and used in the transportation of passengers. Motor carrier means any person, which let's go back because I know you guys forgot what person is again. Motor carrier means any firm, co-partnership, corporation, company, association, or joint stock association, including a trustee, receiver, signing, or personal representative thereof, who undertakes, whether directly or by lease, to transport passengers for compensation over the highways of the Commonwealth. Motor launch means motor vessel that meets through commentary. I got to read that better. Passenger compensation. Oh, here it is. Carriage, carriage of passengers for compensation with a capacity of six or more passengers, but not more than 50 passengers. Motor launch. Okay, I read that one. This is kind of fun. Because, see, you know, the thing is, when you read it, it's kind of hard for anyone to argue when it's clearly in writing right there, even though apparently, uh, you know, Jeffrey wants to keep arguing it even though the definition is clear, and I can read it a thousand times over, uh, and it's right there. Non-emergency medical transportation carrier, in quotation, means a motor carrier that exclusively provides non-emergency medical transportation and provides such transportation only, I, through the Department of Medical Assistance Services, I, I, through a broker operating under a contract with the Department of Medical Assistance Services, or III, as a Medicaid-managed care organization contracted with the Department of Medical Assistance Services to provide such transportation. So there, there's key words. I'm accentuating those words so you understand those are action words, that activity that means you're engaged in some sort of business activity. Nonprofit tax-exempt passenger carrier means a bona fide nonprofit corporation organized or existing under Chapter 10, uh, subsection 13.1801 of Title 13.1, or tax-exempt organization as defined in 501c3 and 501c4 of the Internal Revenue Code as amended. Now, why is this important? Because here you have a section in the statute this particular section, this particular definition that mentions the Internal Revenue Code, what does that mean? It means that only, here's a good example of the person and so on, that you can only use, you cannot stretch it. Because it refers to it in this particular section and definition of nonprofit tax exempt passenger carrier is the only time that the Internal Revenue Code applies nowhere else. Because if they wanted it to apply in another section, guess what they're going to do? They're going to repeat that same sentence again. Okay? If they don't repeat it, it doesn't apply. All right? Uh, uh, Oh, as amended, who, so it's all those things, a motor carrier under the tax, da-da-da-da-da, who undertakes, there's your key, whether directly or by lease, to control and operate minibuses, which has already been defined as somebody who's engaged in transportation that values 15 passengers or more, exclusively in the transportation for compensation. Whoops, there it is again. 
of members of such organization if it is a membership corporation of or, uh, or of elderly, disabled, or economically disadvantaged members of the community if it is not a membership corporation. Operation, um, operation or operations includes the op- – so now you want to look up operation. What does it mean? Remember, I've been saying there's a key word. So now guess what? They defined it. Isn't that amazing? You know what I figured out statutes and codes are? For the ignorant people. So what I suggest is all the ignorant people that have their thumbs up their ass and don't know shit, this is what this is for. This is for the ignorant people, the ignorant judges, the ignorant – everybody else is ignorant. If you don't know because you're not well studied and you, you don't understand it, you don't comprehend it, you don't. You can sit there. This is what I'm saying. You can stay in your private capacity. You can stay in your common law, whatever it is, man, I, man, whatever you want to say, and just simply say, doesn't, isn't it written? That's what I used uh, Christ's word. Isn't it written in 18 U.S.C. subsection, whatever it is? I mean, 46.2-2100 under definition. Is it not written the following? Operation or operations includes operation of all motor vehicles, whether loaded or empty whether for compensation or not, and whether owned by or leased to the motor carrier who operates them or causes them to be operated. Doesn't it say that? Yes, it does. So can, you, can the courts extend it? No, then I'm going to go back and read it again. The courts must give every word. It cannot misconstrue. It cannot extend it, okay? Operation of a TNC partner vehicle. Now, the reason I brought this up is because it's the only time that I've seen vehicle by itself. But it's not by itself. Listen to what it says. At first it looks like vehicles because it doesn't use the term motor vehicle. Everywhere else throughout the 396 pages always uses motor vehicle and always uses compensation. It always uses uh, those types of, of terms, okay? Here's the one time that they use vehicle by itself, except for in the definition of road and highway, which I'll give you in a minute. But first of all, listen to the first word operation. So it's clearly telling you that you have an operation, which is a business term. You're operating some form of business. Operation of a TNC partner vehicle. So it's vehicle, but it's a specific type of vehicle, which is a TNC partner vehicle instead of a motor vehicle. Uh, means I, any time a TNC partner is logged into a digital platform and is available to pick up, there's the magic word, passengers. I, I, any time a passenger is in the TNC partner vehicle, and I, 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 any time the TNC partner, 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 business, has accepted a prearranged ride request, through the digital platform, and is en route to a passenger, okay? Are we, are we kind of getting the, 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 the thing here? Is it like repeat, repeat, repeat? Transportation network company. You notice all the things that are being defined here are corporation type of entities. You've got interstate, interstate, license, multi, minibus, motor carrier, motor launch, uh, da, 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 da. Non-emergency medical, care organization, non-profit tax exempt, operations, operations of TNC. Now we're going to transportation network company. You see, those are the only things defined. You don't see man, woman, people, public, or, or any of those terms being defined in here. 
and they're not even used, except for one time, and I'll show you when that is. Transportation network company means a person, which, whoops, I know you forgot, so let me go back and repeat, just in case you guys forgot, because I'm sure you did, means, uh, excuse me, let me repeat that. Okay, transportation network company means a firm, co-partnership, corporation, company, association, or joint stock association, including the trustee, receiver, assignee, or personal representative thereof, who provides pre-arranged rides using a digital platform that connects passengers with TNC partners. Well, there we go. Now we're moving on. More definitions. 46.22-2100 definitions. Uh, whenever used in this chapter, except unless expressly stated otherwise. Um, authorized insurer means in the case of an interstate motor carrier whose operations may or may not include intrastate activity and insurer authorized to transact business in any one state or in the case of the solely intrastate motor carrier and insurer authorized to transact business in the Commonwealth. Broker means any, there's that word person again, uh, broker means any firm, co-partnership, corporation, company, association, or joint stock association, including any trustee, receiver, assignee, or personal representative thereof, not included in the term, quote, motor carrier, and not a bona fide employee or agent of any such carrier who, as principal or agent, sells or offers to sell any transportation subject to this chapter, or negotiates for or holds himself out by solicitation, advertisement, or otherwise as one who sells, provides, furnishes, contract, or arranges for such transportation. You get the idea here? Bulk commodity means any non-liquid, non-gaseous commodity shipped loose or in mass aggregate and which in the loading and unloading thereof is ordinarily shoveled, scooped, forked, or mechanically convert, conveyed, or which is not in containers or in units of such size to permit piece-by-piece piece loading and unloading. So here you have, again, some sort of a business activity. Bulk property carrier means any, look, there's that word again, any firm, co-partnership, corporation, company, association, or joint stock association, including any trustee, receiver, assigning, or personal representative thereof, not herein exempted, who undertakes either directly or by lease to transport exclusively bulk commodities as defined for compensation, including for purposes in this section for hire tow truck operations. Certificate of fitness means a certificate issued by the department to certain household goods carriers under this chapter. Uh, constructive weight means a measurement of seven pounds per cubic foot of properly loaded van space. Courier service means a motor carrier that engages directly, there's a word, engages directly or by lease exclusively in the transportation of letters, envelopes, negotiable or non-negotiable instruments or other documents or papers for, there it is again, Compensation. So you begin that you see everything that's in here always has to do with some business activity or for compensation. I've mentioned it, but people don't want to hear what I have to say. So here I am reading it to you right out of the statute. Um, 
uh, I mean, excuse me, right out of the code, the motor vehicle code, so you can hear it for yourself when I say that they, they're using terms that clearly have to do with, with some sort of business activity for compensation. It is so clear. Yeah, I'm going to read that one again. Motor, whoops, sorry, uh, let me do this here. Courier service. Well, the second word, service, ought to be a pretty good clue that we're talking about some kind of a service. Courier service means a motor carrier that engages directly or by lease, another business activity, exclusively in the transportation of letters, envelopes, negotiable or non-negotiable instruments, or other documents or papers for compensation. Department means Department of Motor Vehicle. Excuse me, I, I misspoke. Department, quotation, means the Department of Motor Vehicles. It's plural there, sorry. Financial responsibility, end quote, means the ability to respond in damage for liability thereafter incurred arising out of ownership, maintenance, use, or operation of a motor vehicle in the amounts provided for in this chapter. What? Let's try it again. Financial responsibility means the ability to respond in damages for liability thereafter incurring arising out of ownership, clearly ownership of a business, management of a business, use of a business, or operation business of a motor vehicle in the amounts provided for in this chapter. Gross weight means the weight of a truck after a shipment, another commercial term, has been loaded. Ah, uh, and here we are. I'm going to know if I want to, if there's any more, if I'm going to save this to last. I love that one. License means a license issued by the department to a broker. Wow. And use and transportation of passengers uh, or the performance of any service in connection therewith. Sightseeing carriers by boat, carrier, steamship, passengers, single state insurance receipt. See, when they go in the insurance section, they repeat a lot of this stuff. It's just amazing. They repeat it over and over and over. Oh, here's one. Special or charter party carrier by boat <laughs> means a restricted common carrier which transports groups of persons under a single contract made with one person for an agreed charge for such movement, regardless of the number of persons transported. Special or chartered Party carriers by boat shall not be regarded as steamship companies. Taxi cab or other motor vehicle, listen to what it says. Listen to this. You want the definition of motor vehicle? Here's a good one. Remember when it says, or other animal? It means that everything that came before it is an animal, just like it says when it says um, um, under uh, 18 U.S.C. subsection 4, misprism of felony, uh, uh, anyone having knowledge of a crime is cards will court of the United States and fails to make known to some judge or other officer of the United States clearly tells you that the judges are officers of the United States. And here we have the same thing here. Listen to this very carefully because there is the clue. Not the clue, it's the answer. Taxi cab or other motor vehicle. What does that tell you? That taxi cabs are motor vehicles. Taxi cabs are engaged in the business. 
So, or other motor vehicles clearly means that they're engaged in some sort of business. Taxi cab or other motor vehicle performing a taxi cab service. See, there's the service again. Performing service means any motor vehicle having a seating capacity of not more than six passengers, excluding the driver, not operating on a regular route or between fixed terminals used in transportation of passengers for hire or for compensation. And not a common carrier, restricted common carrier, transportation network company, TNC partner, or non-emergency medical transportation carrier as defined in this, in this chapter, which we've already just done uh, uh, defining it. See, there's your list of all the things that are regulated. It tells you what the definition of motor vehicle is right there. It tells you the definition of driver, excluding the driver not operating on a regular route between fixed terminals. Used in what? The transportation of passengers for hire or for compensation. And not a common carrier, okay, not a common carrier, restricted common carrier, transportation network company, TNC partner, or non-emergency medical transportation carrier as defined in this chapter. So clearly this chapter has to do with those things, doesn't it? Are you any of those things and do you have one of these things? Are you engaged in transporting uh, uh, in the transporting of passengers for compensation or for hire? No. TNC insurance means a motor vehicle liability insurance policy that specifically covers liabilities arising from the TNC partner's operation of a TNC partner vehicle. TNC partner means a person. Oh, well, I know you forgot what person was again, so we'll have to go back and read it again. And you all can thank... Um, Jeffrey, one, two, what is it, one, two, five, three, four, for me reading over and over again the definition of person because he seems to think person includes everybody. And I'm proving to him right here that it clearly does not include everybody. And I don't know how many times until he finally drums into his head, so I'm going to do it again. TNC partner means a firm, co-partnership, corporation, company, association, or joint stock association, including the trustees, receivers, signees, or personal representatives thereof authorized by a transportation company, network company, to use a TNC partner vehicle to provide prearranged rides on an interstate basis in the Commonwealth. TNC partner vehicle means a personnel vehicle authorized by a transportation network company and used by a TNC partner to provide prearranged rides on an interstate basis in the Commonwealth. Trade dress. Now, this ought to be real interesting. Trade, D-R-E-S-S, means a logo, insignia, or emblem attached to or visible from the exterior of a TNC partner vehicle that identifies a transportation network company or digital platform with which the TNC partner vehicle is affiliated. Let's see if we got have we drummed it in enough? That's I got a, another 146 pages of of this. If you guys aren't thoroughly uh, understand uh, believing that this is the definition of person, let's see if I can find another one. Now let's go to a different section here, and you'll see there's a slight difference in the definition of person. What a concept! Now let's go back here. Person is defined as that there. See if they have it here. Firm, co-partnership, 
corporation, company association, or joint stock association, and includes any trustee, receiver, signing, or personal representative thereof. So it's virtually exactly the same in this particular section, but you notice how they redefined it again to make sure that it was quite clear that it didn't mean people or anyone else or anyone or any of you. Uh, the public, it didn't, doesn't say citizens, uh, sovereign citizens, sovereign people. Um, it doesn't even say donkeys, assholes, or jackasses. So you guys aren't included here either. Um, and you know who I was talking about because I mentioned who they were. Uh, so here we go. Operator means the operator. So when the, when the judge has to go, were you operating the vehicle? He's like, do you have any evidence I was operating a vehicle? What is the definition of operator? He can't tell you because he doesn't know. Operator means the employer or person. Wait a minute. Oh, let's go back. Person means in this section any individual firm, co-part, individual co-partners, individual corporation, comp, individual company, individual association, or joint stock association, and includes any trustee, receiver, assignee, or personal representative thereof, actually driving a motor vehicle. We already said a motor vehicle is one that is engaged in transporting passengers or property owned for compensation uh, or combination of vehicles. Permit means a permit issued by the department to carriers operating as employee haulers or nonprofit taxes if passenger carriers or to operators of taxicab or other vehicles performing taxicab service under this chapter. Prearranged ride means passenger transportation for compensation. In a TNC partner vehicle range through digital platform, blah, 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 passenger transport, passenger transport, compensation. Restricted common carrier means any, uh-oh, any firm, co-partnership, corporation, company, uh, association, or joint stock association, including any trustee, receiver, assigning, or personal representative thereof, who undertakes, whether directly or by lease or other arrangement, to transport passengers for compensation, whereby such transportation services is being restricted. Restricted common carrier does not include a transportation network company or TNC partnership as defined in the section. Route, when used in the connection with or with this uh, to a directly or by use, sorry, I've got to change pages here, to transport property, including household goods as defined by this chapter for compensation over the highways of the Commonwealth. Uh, okay, here we go. Motor vehicle is defined. You're going to love this. Motor vehicle is clearly defined. It cannot be extruded, extended, or otherwise interpreted. It means any vehicle, machine, tractor, trailer, or semi-trailer propelled or drawn by mechanical power and used upon the highways in the transportation of property, but does not include any vehicle, locomotion, or car operated exclusively on rail or rail. Net weight means the tar weight subtracted from the gross weight. Permit means we've got that already. Uh, permit means permit issued by the department authorized the transportation of property excluding household goods transported for a distance greater than 30 road miles. Here's another definition of personal. Let's see if it's any different than the last. But here again, the point I'm making, they define it again to make sure that there's no misconstruction. Why? Because this is a new, new section. Every section must be clearly defined. Otherwise, it would go to the common term, the common understanding, which is the one that uh, Jeffrey keeps talking about 
which is anybody or everybody, person is the plural of people, is what he's trying to say. And if it was not defined, then that could be applicable. But clearly the fact that they're defining person, otherwise they can only apply that which is defined. Person means any firm, co-partnership, corporation, company, association, or joint stock association, and includes any trustee, receiver, assignee, or personal representative thereof. So there you go. This is the third time they define it, three different sections. Property carrier means any individual firm, corporation, co-partnership, company, association, or joint stock association, including the trustee, receiver, signings, or personal representative thereof, not here and exempted who undertakes either directly or by lease to transport property for compensation. Restricted common carry means any firm, corporation, co-partnership, company, association, or joint stock association, and includes any trustee, receiver, signing, or personal representative there who undertakes, whether directly or indirectly, by lease or other arrangement, to transport household goods by motor vehicle for compensation, whether over regular or irregular routes. Services and transportation includes the services of and all transportation by all vehicles operated by, for, or in the interest of any motor carrier, irrespective of ownership or contract, which when you go back to motor carrier, it gives the definition that they're engaged in some sort of business. All righty, let's see if I can beat this into the ground any more than I already have. Definitions, authorized insurer means in the case of the interstate interstate motor carrier whose operations may or may not include interstate activities, the insurer authorized to transact business in any one state or in the case of solely interstate motor carrier and insurer authorized to transact business in the Commonwealth. Carrier by motor launch certificate. I'm trying to find something that might be a little bit different. Express or imply together with all facility and property operating control by such carrier carriers and used in the transportation of property or in the performance of any service in connection therewith. Find something else here. Common carrier means any person who undertakes whether directly by lease and arrangement to transport passengers for general public by motor vehicle or compensation over the highway of the Commonwealth. Okay, this is a good example of how you got to know the terms that were identified before. Certificate of public conveyance, convenience, excuse me, convenience and necessity means a certificate issued by the Department of Motor Vehicles to certain common carriers. Who to? Common carriers. We already defined common carriers before, right? But nothing contained in this chapter shall be construed to mean that the department can issue any such certificate authorizing intricacy transportation. Wow. So they obviously, whatever that means. Common carrier means any person who undertakes, whether directly or by lease under uh, or other arrangement, to transport passengers for general public, of the general public. See, now it has mentioned for the general public, by motor vehicle, for compensation. So here they are talking about transporting passengers for the general public. So they have used the word general public, right? But again, it's transporting members of the public, right, for transportation, or excuse me, for compensation over the highway. This is very clear. To do contract passenger carriers, common carrier, 
contract passenger carrier the part the digital platform itself. So we read that. That's in the second section. Software compensation employee hauler means a motor carrier operating for compensation and exclusively transporting only bona fide employees directly to and from factories, plants, offices, or other places of like nature where the employees are employed and accustomed to work. Excursion train means any steam power train that carries passengers for which the primary purpose of the operation of such train is passengers experience and enjoying of this means transportation and does not in the course of operation carry freight or other than the personal luggage of the passengers or crew or suppliers and equipment necessary to serve the needs of the passengers and crew, passengers who are com- commuting to work, passengers who are traveling to their final destination solely for business or commercial purposes. Financial responsibility means, okay, we went there. Okay, now let's go ahead and go to the definition of highway, which is actually defined in each section several times. See if there's any difference. No, they're defined the same. Highway means, here we go. Now you've heard how many times transportation for compensation, transportation for compensation, passengers for compensation, business, da 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 da. Have we got that drummed in? Okay? Because there's no, in that, Nowhere in that section is any man, woman, people, or otherwise, okay, defined in there or regulated. It's not defined or regulated. So even though they define something, like they define motorcycle, okay, but they actually, when it comes to a motorcycle, that was the part about the transporter. That's the only section you'll find that's regulated, that when a motorcycle is engaged in the transporting of um, certificates, envelopes, and paper, and the like. Okay? Roddy K., put your hand down. You know I'm not calling on you. I already told you that. Um, no more distractions. No more disruptions. No more craziness. You have gone so far overboard. Um, you know, you've got, you're getting a reputation. You have a reputation. And I would be a bit surprised to see a couple... Uh, slander suits, some other suits coming after you because you're clearly disrupting the public airways. And I've also got some other charges I've been looking up that you, criminal charges that you can be brought up under. So you, you really need to back off, dude. Uh, highway means, here it is, highway means, listen to the terms that are used now in this definition, very different. Every public highway or place of whatever nature Open, open means unregulated, to the use of the public for purposes of vehicular, not motor vehicle, vehicular travel in the Commonwealth, including the streets and alleyways in towns and cities. What? See how amazing that is? It's right there. Completely different. The only time that you see, uh, that you saw public was the place where I mentioned before where they were talking about transporting of the public for compensation. So it doesn't that the public is only mentioned because the public might be considered passengers and they're actually paying passengers because a passenger is someone who pays, which is clearly laid out here. So let's repeat this highway. And I don't know where roadway is because it's also defined very similar, if not the same. Very similar, not quite the same. Let me repeat here. Highway. And see if you can hear the difference. Highway means every public highway or place of whatever nature open. 
which means unregulated, to the use of the public for purposes of vehicular travel. So it's open to the public for the purposes of vehicle travel. Obviously, engaged in any activity of traveling, okay, is not transporting. Very, very clear. And when you go through here and take the time to convert this whole thing into a Word document and go search the words, the only two times that you find public travel um, in, the, in, the, in the way it's being used here are in the definition of highway and roadway. Now, what does that tell you? It tells you that the highways and the byways are originally created by the people for the people or they're open, which means non-regulated travel. And later on, in fact, uh, there was a guy who did a wonderful, like a, probably a 15-page document, he went through a wonderful case in California, where what he did, he went through the whole history of the licensing uh, of, for motor vehicles and licenses, what they call driver's licenses. And he shows how the very first time that any statute was brought up, and that ought to clue you in, that nowhere in the Constitution is there any requirement? Guess what? There's no authorization. Okay? So if there's no authorization in the state constitution or in the United States Constitution, the state doesn't have the power because they derive all their power from the Constitution. It's very simple. Very, very simple. So the fact that there was no statute in place, there's nothing in the Constitution, the state constitution, that says, oh, anybody traveling on the public roads is required to have a driver's license, insurance, and a tag on it. Guess what? It's not there. But what came along more, what developed more as time went on, was that there were people who were motor coaches, people who wanted to transport people. Then there were people that had cars and, and other, other types of motor vehicles came about that you could put trailers onto and so on. And actually, when you go through here and read, it, I realized this the other day when I was reading it, that every time it regulates something, it says motor vehicle, trailer, or tractor trailer. Only those three. All of a sudden, I don't know why I missed it before. So even, like I said before, even though they define motorcycle or car or anything like that, doesn't necessarily mean that it's regular. It just means they defined it. You follow what I'm getting at? So if I was talking about all the different species of giraffes, I might mention donkeys. I might mention jackasses. I might define them. But then I might say uh, that uh, giraffes do not include donkeys, jackasses, and the like. So even though I've defined it, you cannot assume that it is actually regulated. And when you go through it, you'll find out, oh, gee, guess what? They have a vehicle they, uh, defined. They have motorcycle defined. They have moped defined. They have all bicycle defined. But they're not regulated because there's nothing regulating them. It's kind of like the same thing with a contract, that if we contracted to build you a patio, we may define stainless steel screws, but there's nothing in the contract that says that we have to use them. You can't sit there and take me to court and sue me because I didn't use stainless steel screws. Now, who is this? Is that Aquila 48, Dixon? I'm going to mute you for a second and see if you can behave or not. Yeah, I don't see anything on it yet. I don't see any derogatories on it. Let me check you out. All right, you're unmuted. Go ahead. 
Hi, Colin. This is Aquila. How are you? Okay. Are you going to behave? Have I have or not? You've been polite. So I don't understand where that's coming from. But anyways, well, let's not I was get going into to talk. Go ahead. Share with me what you want to say because I want to keep moving here. That's fine. You was talking Show about drivers, you right? You're talking Excuse about me? drivers. I'm talking Are about you? I'm actually. I'm actually reading right out of Virginia Motor Vehicle Code 46.2. Okay, but we're talking about drivers, are we not? That's what you're reading about, a driver? Um, yes, we're reading about motor vehicle. With, we're reading straight out of the Motor Vehicle Code, which has mm-hmm. to do with drivers, driver's licenses, speed signs, okay. speed limits, so on. Well, this is what my belief is, and this is what I'm going to say about it. Um, if I say I'm a, I'll just give a quick example and then we'll get to here. If I say I'm the zookeeper and I have my tag on or my uniform, I'm the zookeeper. Okay, well, then, you know, I had to say I had to get a license to keep these animals, whatever, and I have that. So I'm defining myself as something, okay? And if I say I'm a driver, a driver is one who is driving for hire. Okay, obviously that's not me because I'm just going to point A, point B, wherever I may go. But at the end of the day, when I produce that license or I signed up for the license, I'm signing up for a driver's license. I'm signing up to be saying I'm a driver, okay? So then if I say I'm a driver, I have the license to prove that I'm a driver, then Mm -hmm. that's what they're going to assume and assumption that I am the driver. Okay, okay, good point. Wait, wait a minute. Let me finish. Let me finish, and I'm, then I'm done. I'm just going to finish this. And so, but, so, if, well, if I don't want to say I'm a driver, and I'm not, because I know I'm not, so why do I have a license? I don't need it to ride in my car, go anywhere I wish to go. There's no reason for it that I should have it. At one point, I thought I did need it. That's why I got it in the first place. But now that I know better and I've been taught better and I understand better, I don't need it for no reason, no form, no shape, or anything. So I must, where I started at, I went there and asked for that benefit. Now I'm going to bring it back. I no longer need it. But to be an under, I can get much as known as I want. I can do all. I have to bring that license back, return it back, and I don't want it anymore. Now I'm out of that system. Now I don't have to follow any of the rules. If I want to run the red light, I can do it. If I don't want to stop at the shelter, I don't have to. But if I'm a driver, yes, I have to follow all to be in honor. I have to follow all those rules because I got the license. I'm saying I'm something. It's just like going okay. to school for this. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. Now, uh, the concept and principle that you're expressing. I dove into that, and I, at first I started agreeing with it until I recognized the fact of Article, uh, uh, article of the Bill of Rights, which is Article 9, I believe it is. 9, yes, 9, which says the enumeration of certain rights in the Constitution shall not be misconstrued. Misconstrued means to misidentify, misconstrue, to wrongfully state, misconstrue, to deny or disparage. Disparage means to intimidate, threaten, intimidate, uh, cause people to go, oh, I don't know if I want to do that or not. To deny or disparage any rights retained by the people. So not only do we have the rights that are enumerated, 
And what does that mean? Enumerated means that the United States guarantees the protection thereof. What does it say? It does not, it is not intended, the enumeration of certain rights, uh, such as uh, the right of the people to be secure in the person, houses, papers, and effects. Um, so that those certain rights, the right to have and bear arms, the right to free speech, the right to freedom of religion, and so on, those enumeration is not designed in order to deny or disparage any other rights that the people retain for themselves. In other words, retain means that they haven't listed them. They just went ahead and retained them. We don't need to put them all down. So what am I going to say about this? So what am I saying about this? I agree with you in principle in this aspect, but I'm going to share with you something else. Why would I divest myself of a right or even a privilege? Remember, 18 U.S.C. 241 and 242 say, if two or more persons conspire to injure, oppress, threaten, or intimidate any person in any state territory, uh, excuse me, any inhabitant in any state territory, commonwealth, just in the free exercise or enjoyment of any right or privilege, or privilege, any right or privilege secured to them by the constitutional laws of the United States. So that tells you, and even if you believe certain things are a privilege, guess what? They are secured. Which means they can't be taken away willy-nilly. They are yours. In fact, I've seen case law where a privilege is considered to be property. So let's go to the 14th. No state shall deny any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. So once again, even if you consider it a privilege, they must first go through due process of law to deny you of it. All right, so let's go back. Why would I deny myself of a right or privilege um, to have a license should I choose to engage in that activity of transporting a passage of property for compensation over the highway? There's no reason to. Just because I have it does not mean that I am subject to it as long as I am not engaged in the activity which is licensed, i.e., Let's take Roddy, for instance. Most of the day, he's running around driving right, a tractor trailer, and he has a license to do that. But when he gets into his car, and he's merely transporting himself, or not transporting, he's traveling to get from point A to point B, he is no longer engaged in activity. So he no longer is required to have that license. And he's no longer regulated by all of the things that came with that license because he's not engaged in that activity. My other example is you can have a license to carry a, um, what do they call it, a hidden weapon, what's it called, a uh, concealed weapon. They call it concealed weapon, okay, which does not deprive. You don't have to have a concealed weapons license if you're only carrying arms and not a weapon. So we could go into all the details and the definition of those. There is a difference, and that's why they, they use the term firearm and they use the word weapons because it clearly has nothing to do with arms. They may be similar, but they're not the same. So you have to be, again, that's why I keep reading it, that they cannot misconstrue or extend or in any way stretch and, and make it appear that it, is, uh, that it has some, kind of, some kind of application that is not clearly specified in the statute. That's why I've been reading so much. It's every damn thing in here is repeated over and over and over again. It's completely identified over and over and over again to keep it completely specific so that there's no non-specificity there. So the fact that it does not say people, it means clearly that it, it, that which is not included is expressly excluded. Okay? The fact that it is not included is expressly excluded. So if I have a license, I can go get a license. I can go get any license I want. 
I can be a member of every association I want. But if I'm not engaged in that activity, then guess what? I don't need the license. And I'm not subject to any kind of rules, regulations, or confinement that that license might in place upon me. Only when I'm engaged in that activity. Okay? So that's the simple answer to that question. Um, Now, I agree with you in the sense that we've all been um, conditioned as well as we can show uh, what I read here earlier. I'm going to put this away for a second here. Which was a person is restricted. Now, here they don't define person in the statute. So here person does mean any, basically anybody, even though they use the word person because they're only ones that are regulated. Okay? Any person is restrained or imprisoned when he is deprived of either liberty, of movement, or freedom to remain in the place of his lawful choice. And such restraint, notice they use the term his. It's usually a good clue that person, in this case, because it's not defined and specified, it has the general meaning, okay? And here's a good example, his, H-I-S, meaning that has to do with somebody who's alive, his, her, okay? Because gender only goes to the living man or woman. does not go to a business. You'll never see his in any of these statutes, any of the motor vehicle code. I've looked it up. It's not there, all right? So let me continue. When he is deprived of either liberty of movement or freedom to remain in the place of his lawful choice, and such constraint, such restraint or imprisonment may be accomplished by physical force alone or by threat of force or by conduct reasonably implying that force will be used, such as an armed man in a uniform who has a radio. I've mentioned this before. I don't know if I did it here or not. Uh, it's kind of fun to ask people, what is the most dangerous and powerful piece of equipment that any cop has on them? Not the gun, not the badge, not the uniform. It's actually the radio. That radio that he has is the most powerful and the most dangerous because when he gets on that radio and he calls for backup, anybody coming is already in hunt and kill mode. They are not there. They got their guns unholstered. They are ready to kill, kill, kill. Take down, take down, beat up, mace and everything. They're in that hunt mode. That's why it's the most dangerous. That man standing there, or that, that person, excuse me, that person standing there in uniform has to unholster his weapon. He has to assess the situation. So when they come, they're not assessing anything. They've been called for help, backup, and they're going to do whatever they think is necessary, which is usually violent. Okay? So that's what's important. So this threat of violence, the reason I mention this, because it's clearly defined in this case, which I gave before, uh, and there's four of the cases, Henry versus the United States, Stacey versus Bauer, Moore versus Pay and Save, and what's the other one here, Mac, uh, State versus McIntyre. You have five cases here. That's pretty, oh, United States versus C, that's EE. And that's in 19, I'll give you the years, 1974. Where is this one? 1979, 1978, 1964. Uh, so these are, these are not old, old cases, even though, in my opinion, old cases are well unless they've been overturned, so they're actually stronger. But people try to say, oh, show me a recent case. Well, there you go. Um, so all of them say, are, these are all saying these exact same words. 
So by physical force alone or by threat of force or by conduct reasonably implying that force will be used. Uh, So, again, um, we've been brainwashed and conditioned, and I think that uh, people have had personal experiences. I've had experiences where if you don't have a driver's license, they will arrest you and throw you in jail and go through that whole process just because you don't have one. And their assumption, because they've been misled, because the people have not been regulating the people, uh, the persons rather, not regulating their public servants, um, uh, as a result, because you can read, and that's why we have a 42-1983 deprivation of rights suit. It's where the people, when the government no longer is doing its job, the people have the right to bring a suit, which of course we always do, but there it is in writing, to make sure that everybody can read it, that whenever you're deprived of right for whatever purposes, right, that you can bring a suit against them for failing to protect your rights, for one thing, as well as for violating, depriving you of a right or privilege, right or privilege. And not only that, but it's the free exercise and the enjoyment of. That tells you something right there. If you're not not only exercising, but you're no longer enjoying the exercise, and because this idiot comes along and intimidates you or threatens you, he's already done what? Arrested you. Okay? So it's pretty simple stuff. The problem is that people fail to enforce or, uh, excuse me, exercise their, what I call, affirmative defenses, which I actually call affirmative offenses. Who's been injured? Who brings a claim? Who has evidence that I was engaged in activity subject to the statute or code? Just because I'm a license does not mean I'm engaged in that activity. Now, if you're, quote-unquote, traveling or moving down the highway and you've got a truck and it says a big, huge sign on there, we transport uh, unusual passengers, such as, uh, you know, these certain types of animals or whatnot, the ones that nobody else would transport, um, for a reasonable uh, charge. And you can see that I have, you know, uh, different animals in the back of the truck. It's a pretty good bet that I am, that is prima facie evidence, that I am engaged in activity that is regulated and I must show them a license and have a license. But if there's just a car, and there's no advertisement, there's nothing on the top, and there's no even appearance of passengers. And again, it's like anything else. Uh, the first thing you need to do is inquire. And that's why on this particular thing, I mentioned it several times. He had no reason to believe, and I got him to testify, or Luella got him to testify to it, that he never did inquire. Well, why is he not inquiring? Do you have any passengers? Are you engaged in transporting a passenger property over the highway for compensation? And they say no. What is it? Have a nice day. Please drive safer. Appreciate it. Have a nice day. That's it. They're making assumptions and presumptions, and they have no power or right to make any assumptions because what is that called? A conclusion of law. They are not. They're not. They're not in a position to make conclusions of law. And in fact, one of the first questions that was asked on the stand is, "Have you read the code?" He said, "No." So if he hasn't read the code, how can he enforce code that he hasn't read? And that's why they're enforcing code they haven't read, because they've been told to do. They've been properly trained. Now that goes directly to a 42 point. Uh, uh, excuse me. Yeah, a 46. Uh, well, I'm sorry, I'm getting confused. Here. Um, uh, 42 USC 1983. Right there, if you want to sue, it's right there. It tells you if you want to sue a uh, municipal subdivision of the state, which is really what you want to do, is go after the principal, not the agents. Um, you need to show that it's a policy. 
Well, that's not hard to do, is it? And that's the beauty about it. They, they shut themselves up. The evidence is so out there, it's not even funny. Kind of like I've been talking about Roddy and these other idiots running around and harassing people. They've created an audible record, a written record. On, uh, and, and we've just copied, we've all got, the, we've got all the copies, we've got all the recordings just in case somebody's able to, uh, to get in and try to corrupt them. We've already got them all down and all, laid, all, all copied and put in safe and put in several places. Because we're experienced with this, what the, these, these alleged government agents do is they take things down. You'll find this in court cases uh, where you find that if you don't keep after the record, you'll find they'll change it. They'll put stuff in. They take stuff out. So we're well accustomed to this. So, uh, but this is what they do. They give you all the evidence you need, all the evidence you need uh, to, to convict them. It's right there. And most of the time it's on the record. So that means what? It's a judicial notice. It's certified stuff. Um, so let me let me continue reading this one here. Officer Crone proceeded to interrogate respondent without giving Miranda rights warning as required by law. And then there's a footnote number two. See, now I'm going to back it up. I just made a statement, right? Okay, let me back it up. What does this mean? Well, we've already found, uh, defined what it means to be arrested, okay? A person is restrained or imprisoned when he is deprived of either liberty of movement or freedom to remain in a place of his lawful choice. And such restraint or prison may be accomplished by physical force alone or by threat of force or by conduct, reasonably implying that force will be used. We have already established that. He's wearing a gun. He's got a uniform. got a radio. Number two, when the Miranda Wright warning is required. See, this is not my requirement. I, I mean, if I stop you, I stand in front of you and I'll let you move. I've arrested you. I've arrested your movement, your freedom of movement. Okay? Am I required to read you a Miranda Wright? No because I'm not an officer or agent. This is what everybody gets confused. Just because they're required to do does not mean I'm required to. That's the huge thing that no one seems to get. That's why you have to understand that you're not a person as defined under the statute. Okay? When the Miranda warning is required, somebody texting me here, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether an interrogation occurs in a jail at the scene of a crime on a busy downtown street, or in the middle of an open field. It don't matter. If a person is in custody, and in parentheses for definition purposes, not brackets, parentheses, deprived of his or her freedom of action in any significant way. And parentheses, so it defines what it means. The police must read I didn't even use the word for those people who are into that shell thing. Shell is a future touch thing. Oh, my God. Police must read the Miranda rights if they want to ask questions and use the answers as evidence at trial. So the first thing he says is what? Let me see your license. Let me see your registration. Guess what? First of all, you have no business giving anything because it says in the, in the fifth, you know, I believe the fifth thing was, oh, you have the right to remain silent. What about your garbage? Why would you want to remain silent? What you want to do is not give them information or anything that might be construed to be used against you in a court of law. That's what it means. You may not be compelled to give evidence that may be used against you in a court of law. All right? So let me repeat this again. It does not matter whether an interrogation occurs in jail, at the scene of a crime, or on a busy downtown street, or in the middle of an open field. If a person is in custody, deprived of his or her freedom, there you go, his or her freedom of action in a significant way. The police must read the Miranda rights if they want to ask questions and use the answers as evidence at trial. 
without a Miranda warning, what the arrestee says in response to custodial questioning cannot be used for most purposes as evidence at trial. And then it gives you for more detail, it goes somewhere else. So you see how powerful that is. That's why I'm saying, you all want a shortcut, I just gave you a shortcut. All you have to do is do a motion to strike all of the information that was gained by the interrogation without a Miranda warning. See how simple that is? That includes the name, everything they got off of the driver's license, everything they got off of the insurance, everything they got. Everything that they got from you, anything you said, anything that was done, anything, they can't use it because they didn't read you the Miranda right, the Miranda warning, which is required. It's right here. He is required, must. Okay? Uh, let me see who we have up on the board. One Life to Live. Sounds like an interesting title. Hopefully you'll be polite as well. Here you go. Go ahead, One Life to Live. You are unmuted. Hi, I'm here. How are you today? Well, I'm feeling better now that I'm not allowing these harassers to harass. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, we got to look over those um, those types of individuals, those types of peoples. They like to harass when they have no no valid claim. It's their favorite thing to do. Uh, I just want to confront you real quick about your Miranda claim because I have done some research regarding Miranda. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, when was the last time you shepherdized that last case? Week, uh, it was about a week and a half ago because somebody said, oh, no, there's a new statute that supersedes it. Well, guess mm-hmm. what? He actually gave me a case, which was a very recent case, um, mm-hmm. 2014 or 2000. It was either 2000 or 2014, where the Supreme Court, in fact, affirmed the, that they are required to do the Miranda. They said, in fact, they tried to make that claim uh, to the Supreme Court. And um, the Supreme Court absolutely shot it down and said, no, it does not supersede it. No statute can supersede a requirement. Uh, so it, it shot it down and reaffirmed that they are required to Mirandize you. Yes, it strengthened it. And okay. if you really want, you can send me an email, and I will send you that case law. It's like a nice little thing on my computer, but, I, you know, for me to jumble around, I'm going to take away from, from this role. But if you really want it, you can truthmonger6 at gmail.com, and I will give you that case. Hey, Truthmonger, this is Donaldson. You know, we've been in contact before. I think we've we've even emailed each other. Excellent. But, uh, you know, according to, you're talking about 166 Fed 3rd 667, which is United States versus Dickerson. That's the case that actually used the statute that superseded Miranda. Okay. And uh, it, the Supreme yeah, Court specifically referred to voluntariness as the federal test for determining the admissibility of confessions. Okay, uh, such such was the stage in 1966 when the Supreme Court decided Miranda versus Arizona. In Miranda, the Supreme Court announced a new analytical approach to admissibility of confessions. Specifically, the court rejected a case-by-case determination of whether a confession, and then could be basically accepted. Uh, you know, without having been told of the rights, I'm putting, I'm paraphrasing, but, and so they, 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 the statute that you're talking about that Congress enacted after Miranda is real and it does supersede Miranda. 
and it, it all it all talks about voluntariness. So what can you say about the 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 issue of voluntariness as it equates to the uh, uh, benefits afforded by the Miranda decision? All right, that's real simple. Let's go back to this right here. Uh, what does it say? A person is restrained or imprisoned. That clearly somebody who is restrained or imprisoned is not there voluntarily, are they? Okay, no, that's actually a violation of due process. That's not a violation of Miranda versus Arizona. Right. But when it's I'm a violation. It, it, yeah. And you can, read the, you can read a book. It's called uh, uh, Fruit from the Poisonous Tree. That anything that is gotten, um, um, anything that is gotten from an improper due process, is what you just said, or any type of improper activity, is dead. That's why you can do the motion to strike it because it's gotten from the fruit from the bad tree. You see what I'm getting at? Now, yes. again, if you voluntarily, uh, if you're doing something voluntarily, uh, that may or may not be a different thing, and I think each one would have to be, as the Supreme Court said, you have to address each one individually as to whether they voluntarily did it or not. The fact that there is an, again, this is not alter, uh, again, what you're missing what you're missing here is, is the key part, that the Miranda is a rule that is a requirement upon them, the public service, uh, those that are engaged in that type of activity. If uh, the statute does not supersede that requirement upon them, just like a lot of people think that there's a 14th Amendment citizen when there was no such thing, when it really read it actually as it is written, here we go again, as it is written, not misconstruing it, it is a restriction upon the state. That's all the 14th is. No, it starts off very clear. It doesn't say no person. It says no state shall. So if the restriction is upon this no state, no state, but all three sexes, no state shall, nor shall any state, nor shall any state deprive any person equal protections of the law. So it's a restriction upon the states. That's it. It, it. There's nothing else in there. It's very simple. So if it if it talked about you know if and now you cannot obviously legislate something that is voluntary or not voluntary. So right off the bat, without having met it, which I guess I'm going to have to go into it and read the actual statute you're talking about. Um, and if you would post it up there, type it up there so I can uh, bring it down. But that particular statute, no statute can supersede a right. So first of all, we know that's true. Also, anything that is, is free. If you, now, what did you say? If you're not compelled, what is it talking about being compelled? If you've been arrested, then they're required to keep the Miranda because you've been arrested. You see, you see the difference? It's not a fine line. It appears to be a fine line at first until you really see it clearly. And I agree, it takes time. It takes me a long time to reprogram. The only way that I've been able to reprogram is by reading case law, reading the statutes, as, as I did tonight. Over and over and over again, you realize, hey, wait a minute. I was, not a, I was not under arrest. I was sitting at a bar, and I was talking to somebody, and I was going, yeah, you should have seen her face when I right. stabbed her, man. That's right. volunteer something. Right, but see, the interesting thing about that is that there's two things that, I, that come up for me is 14th Amendment protection, okay, for a state's... There's okay. no protection. There's no, the 14th Amendment does not give any protection. Ooh, really? And the other thing oh. I wanted to say was uh, about the minority and you're not having put on the record about the reaching the age of majority, and so therefore, you know, you may not have uh, the same protections as someone who has reached the age of majority if you're a minor... 
you know, you, your, your contracts are voidable. And so, um, you know, anything you say, it doesn't make it. In other words, so what? So what you said that? Doesn't, you're not contracting with these people, and you said something, but you're, you're legally disabled and you're not aware of the consequences of your statement, so therefore they can't be held against you. I mean, certainly that can be used as an argument, too. But, but back to the 14th I, Amendment. I agree. Go ahead. Okay. Thank you. And the, that the 14th Amendment actually gives specific immunity and privileges to states is not... I don't think that can be really argued with, you know. Where? Where? I know it by heart. Where in the 14th The privileges and immunities? Well, first of all, yes. the 14th Amendment created a second-class person, a uh, federal citizen. It, it gives... Okay. And you know what? You know what's funny about that? And, and I guess you came on late, but I covered this at the beginning of the show. I'll redo it since we have more people. Let me be real clear about this. All of this stuff, 14th Amendment citizen, uh, what was it, uh, being under martial law, uh, I, I already went into this. I'll do it again. Uh, when you go into martial law that you're talking about uh, or, or being conquered or any of these things, you have the library code, and in the library code is very strict under military rule. Again, you have the Uniform Code of Military Justice, which I'm very thoroughly uh, aware of. Like I said, I've won 12 out of, four, out of 13 cases at Captain's Mass, which is a complete lawful kangaroo court. Um, um, and it, when you look at each and every one of these, even in an invading army, it even, it even regulates invading armies and what they can and can't do. It's very, it's, everything is specified, okay? So uh, when you talk about a 14th Amendment citizen, I have never seen any case where any prosecutor has ever said, oh, you're just a 14th Amendment citizen, and therefore you ain't got no daggone rights. No, no, that's not. Why on earth would you want to give them ammunition? Why would you go into court and go, well, Your Honor, I believe I is a 14th Amendment citizen, so guess what? You can screw me all you want. You can take away my rights, you can take away my privileges, because I is a 14th Amendment. Why would you give anyone ammunition, particularly when they're not going to do You don't do that. You say, listen, I'm an American national, and I'm afforded the same privileges and immunities that any citizen of the United States under the 14th Amendment is afforded. Bingo. Why would you want to say anything? You don't have to say you're a 14th Amendment citizen. You just say, I get the same immunity, period. You want to tell me that I don't? I don't don't disagree with you at all. I can say anything I want. I can claim to be anything I want. The question is, why would I want to claim to be anything? If they're exactly. Now, I totally get you. I never said to claim to be a 14th Amendment citizen. I was only suggesting that people get, claim those the same immunity. Don't claim the status. Don't be a class of person is what I'm saying. Just, exactly. just say, look, I am not in your society, okay, but I get the same, the same shit. I get the same what? benefit, okay? okay. Check okay. this out okay. real okay. quick. Under, the, under, okay. under due process, procedural due process, under the Administrative Procedures Act, 5 U.S.C.A. Section 706 2D, right, permits a court to overrule agency actions, findings, and conclusions that are without observance of procedures required by law. Federal agencies are bound by the Fifth Amendment to observe procedural due process, and state agencies are bound by the Fourteenth Amendment to observe procedural due process. 
So what we're dealing with in the states is state agencies, not federal agencies. We already know that FOIA is a very difficult uh, federal application on the, uh, at the state level. They have their state applications that you need to, to apply, right? So in that regard, I think that the state – I'm sorry, one second. Yeah, no problem. You're on a good roll there, man. Rock and roll. I love what you're saying. Yeah, it's having a real – something happened to my phone real quick. Give me one sec to back up. No problem. I'll go ahead and uh, – I agree with you. Fill in the gap. I, you got it? You back? Yeah, basically what it comes down to is that that 14th Amendment uh, privilege or right or benefit does not necessarily only apply – to um, the uh, citizen of the United States, right? But also to non-citizens. Okay, so that's that's something important. So if you're claiming to be like a like a uh, like a, an American national or something like that, then you certainly can get those same rights. Okay, um, but as far as the due process is concerned, uh, it says that state agencies are bound by the Fourteenth Amendment to observe procedural due process and the only place that that the only way I can see that that actually applies is for um, people who are not US citizens get afforded the same 14th Amendment benefits procedural due process it's right here in the APA 5 USC 706 2d check it out I would do that. I would do that. You, you would do that. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff, man. Good stuff. I love it. But I'm glad you like it. I would say in response. You done? That's all. Donaldson out. Thank you. All right, brother. Have a good day. Thank you for your uh, giving facts and actual cases. That's the goat and so on that we can actually look at. Thank you so much. Now let me respond to it in this way. Again, I, I you know, I went through that for about four years and after my friend getting killed after he expatriated and then uh uh copy wrote the profitable all uppercase name and doing all sorts of other stuff and pissing them off sufficiently that they took him out. Um, you know, I got to looking at this and then of course with um having been uh on the outside of that, Tim Turner uh, nonsense, which I called him out twice. Uh, you know, I don't know why, but you know, creator seems to have me in the place to call people out. Uh, I began to realize something. I was like, wait a minute, why do I need to claim anything? Why would I want to claim anything? Because, and I think it was Batman or somebody like that, uh, as obnoxious and rude as he is, um, uh, he still had a, a one good point, which I picked up, which was that. Why would you want to claim to anything? Because you can't technically prove anything. Now, I don't obviously agree with that because I intend to prove my case uh, as best I can, but you make an assertion and then you try to back it up with evidence. Uh, but you technically can't prove anything. And I got to thinking, well, you're right. Uh, and it also went along with the UCC thing where everyone was doing UCC-1, which is claiming all your property and so on, putting on the UCC-1 statement. And I, at the same time, I was like, well, I have the freedom to do that, but why would I want to exercise that freedom when I'm not engaged in any commercial activity? So I felt that it limited me. And then when I started writing down all of the stuff that I had, I had like 20 pages for just one house. 
And at that time, I had like 31 properties. I would be there still today trying to write down, oh, yeah, the button over here. And, and I'm, a, I'm a bit of a junk collector because to me, nothing is junk. Every, everything is reusable. So, I mean, I've got nuts, bolts, tacks, you know, pieces of everything is a piece. If it's a piece of metal, I'm taking it. Okay, I'm going to keep it because I use it. If you see some of the stuff, I mean, I, I can build a trailer out of scraps, right? I've even gone into dumpsters and a dumpster diving. I built half a house with, a, with two by fours that other people threw away. I built patio uh, decks, uh, you know, my own properties with four by fours I got out of the dumpster. So there's all sorts of stuff, you know. I'll, I mean, can you imagine trying to list everything? I thought, wait a minute, aren't I exposing that which is private to the public? Aren't I making a list and then putting it into the public? Right, and and I got the thing. I was like, well, that's kind of goofy. And I thought, I don't. I'm not. It's not on me. I'm not the one that has to defend myself. That's why they want you to admit to being a defendant. That's why I won't. I'll be a respondent. I'll call myself a respondent, but I'm never going to call myself a defendant. I might say that, hey, I got to defend my position because I'm under attack, but I'm never going to be a, de- a defendant. Because to me, defendant and dependent are, are basically synonymous. You're saying I'm dependent. Yeah, and I don't have my depends on. So, um, But my point is this. Why make any claims at all? Why call yourself, uh, what do you call it, a national? I don't even know what the definition of a national is. I'm not sure I really have a real clear definition of that. And does a, a, na- a, 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 a national, okay, I'm going to mute the... Um, the chat board if people don't stop, first of all, cussing and talking about stuff that's not on subject. So I'm giving you one warning. There's not going to be two. All right? Um, You know, it's real sad that I have to treat grown adults like children, but that's just apparently the way it's going to be. So my point is it makes more sense to say you're the one who's made the assertion. And when you go look at the legal, legal stuff, that's exactly what the courts say. You make an assertion. They're making an assertion. And that kind of gives you a clue that when they're making a charge, they're not making a claim. And that's why you go straight to the affirmative offense, which is failure to state a claim upon which relief can be granted. I'm going to try this. Okay, law fan, I, I kind of get your frustration. I get where you're at. And if I could, calm you down a little bit and say this. Use it against them. Use the words and the terms, the legalese stuff, because it's all for our benefit when you actually get down and read it. It's not, they're misusing it. Again, it's not the problem of a gun. It's who you're pointing at and who you're pulling the trigger. So there's nothing wrong with the terms. There's nothing wrong with the words. It's who's using them. When you use them the way I've read them tonight, where you can clearly see that, that uh, you know, what a motor vehicle is and what a driver is is somebody who's engaged in transporting a passenger property for compensation over the highway. So they define it. it well, not they. We define it in the statutes and codes in order to regulate them, to restrict them, because it only applies to those things. So it's only the misuse. So go after not the words, but the misusers of it. They're creating lies where there aren't any. They're creating imaginations where there aren't any. So let me continue. Um, so why, why make any claim at all? Because, uh, you know, my friend, he all went down that pathway about uh, status. It's all about status. I could show you emails. We went through, oh, it's about email. And then we created the trust and so on. 
it's status, 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 status. And I got to thinking about, well, why do I need to make any claim? Okay? Except to claim all your rights. I always put there claiming all rights, waiving none. All right? But you don't have to make a claim. Oh, well, I'm a, a national. I'm a sovereign national. I'm an unsovereign national. No problem, uh, law fans. Thank you. Um, yeah, just always think of this, turn a disadvantage. What you dislike the most, you get angry and frustrated at, turn a disadvantage into an advantage. And I actually wanted to mention, that's kind of at the top of the uh, top of the hour what I, what, during the opening, you may have missed it. Uh, I kind of did it softly, so now I'll bring it out uh, full, full face. Um, uh, the last few calls, I've allowed these, um, what I call jack, I call them jackass, my opinion, uh, my definition, and I still haven't defined jackass, remember that. Um, but, uh, you know, what I did was allowed myself to be vulnerable, because that's really how I am, because in order to have a positive attitude, you have to be somewhat naive and you have to be somewhat uh, vulnerable. Uh, and I tried being mean and nasty for about two weeks. I didn't like myself. So I said, well, you know what? It's better to be hurt. It's better to be um, um, injured uh, than to become a soulless wonder, right? So that is a choice that I made. But in this particular case, I actually uh, allowed them to be abusive on the show, both writing, typing, as well as audibly. Um, and the reason was because by being vulnerable and by being exposing myself, it became self-evident that they were attacking that which was weak or vulnerable, which tells you the character of the man, which shows you what? Intent. Their intent was not to lift up. Their intent was not to provide help or to provide assistance or have a, a reasonable discussion about something. Instead, it was malicious, it was mean, and it was hurtful. They were laughing. They were getting joy out of my pain, out of my agony. Now, I showed for about three and a half seconds that I'm able to turn it around should I want to. I mean, I can go off. I mean, I used to be a sailor, and I've done this before. I used to actually do that. I could tear down these shields so fast that they won't even want to show their face or come on the show anymore. I can get extremely graphic. But the point is, is that where's the benefit in that? There's no benefit to anyone. The fact that they continued and would not relent. In fact, when they found an opening, and they, as I was backing up, and the more upset I got, the more angry I got, the more they pushed my buttons, the more they pushed the buttons, the more they pushed it. That is the most hardest thing to bring up in any kind of a criminal case, which is what? Right? It's called the mens re, or the thing that they have caused, the injury that they've caused, which is the intent. Intent is the hardest thing, so most people think. But here, we've got on the record, in the recordings, I've gotten consoling emails from people, Skypes and texts from people, clearly knew that I had been harmed, injured, hurt, whatever you want to call it. And they were consoling me. And that's one of the things that keeps me going. You know, because, you know, at some point when you're caught off guard and you're helping a lot of people and you get bombarded and it seems like everybody's attacking you because those are the only people that called in, uh, you don't know the rest of the people sitting in the background and going, whoa, man, shut this guy up. You know, get him off of there. But I get those back later and that keeps me going. But... Using a disadvantage to an advantage, it became very clear that they have given me all the mens rea that we need, which is the intent, criminal intent or malicious intent. Hold on one second, please. Hello? Hi. Huh? No, I'm right in the middle of it right now, but I can wrap it up in another half hour. Excuse me? 
All right. Good enough. By the way, happy birthday. <laughs> Bye. So this was the beautiful thing about it is that by and, and I said at the very end, I said I'll be a victim all day long if it exposes your cruelty, your meanness, and your intent. I didn't know at the time I was actually looking for the intent, but, you know, I do things a lot of times through spirit, uh, and you guys can do all that criticizing you want, laughing, that's fine. But look where you are now. I've got all of the evidence, and I'm now collecting evidence from other shows and other people who have been sending me stuff. So we have sufficient evidence to bring an action against each and every one of these participants. And if you know, I offered before to meet them face-to-face to do a duke out, whether whoever wins. You know, whether it's you or me, it doesn't matter. I've found that some of my best friends are people that beat the crap out of me because we met face-to-face because we respect each other. So I don't mind. I don't care. Um, I made that offer. Nobody took me up on that offer. Um, so they, and they continue to do this under a persona. They, they don't even have their real name up there, and yet they seem to believe that they don't know what a, a person means, persona, defined. You know, they don't come under their true name. They don't. They don't expose themselves, and yet they're they're hunting and 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 harming other people. So to me, uh, uh, you know, this is what I would say um, to you when you when they upset you, just go ahead and use it. You know, go ahead and use the disadvantage to your advantage. So going back to what I was saying, that instead of quote unquote defending yourself, that you can defend yourself, but instead of becoming a defendant, um, you can answer a complaint. And there was somebody who's on tonight, I believe, that needs this question answered because they mentioned, uh, at least I hope it was, was on, that they're coming on the show, that they mentioned that they had not seen anything about an appearance in writing. Let me quickly do that. It's a bit of a sidetrack, forgive me, but I wanted to attend to it now while I'm thinking about it. What, when, when the court says that you've made an appearance, that is correct. When you answer a complaint or in any way put in a filing and respond to it, that is considered to be an appearance. In fact, what you want to do is let them know that you are making an appearance, um, and that way you don't waive your uh, affirmative defenses if you haven't figured it out yet. Uh, and this is really important because the moment you answer a complaint, you essentially have waived your affirmative defenses because now you have to uh, uh, address each and one of those individual things. So, for instance, capacity would be a, an affirmative defense. And that this is really, and I'll get to that in a minute because this is really, really powerful. Um, so hopefully that answers your question. Appearance just means that you have let them know that you're alive and you've received the subpoena or whatever it is, that you understand it, and you're going to take an action. Sometimes in some states you have to file something that actually states, I intend to defend. So all of them are different. And then there's other ones where you can put in, and this is really cool, a nice neat little strategy I used one time, um, and that is you can waive service, which means you don't have to be served upon. Nobody has to, no, no person has to come up with a piece of paper and serve it upon you. You can waive the service. Now, here's the reason you might want to do that. It gives you an extra 30 days to have to be able to respond. Yeah, cool is that? So in other words, if they go through the trouble and you get served um, and you haven't waived service, you have generally 30 days in which to respond. But if you waive service, uh, yeah, you just you, uh, look it up in your state, waiver of service. And in, in, in at least the state where I, I, tr- I did this, it was 30 days. You got an extra 30 days. How cool is that in which to have to re- put your response in? So, so you see, there's a, a lot of times there's advantages to things. You're going to get served anyway. So 
So why not wait service and grab another 30 days? That makes sense to me. Let me go back to this Dickerson versus United States where, where um, he was just calling in a minute ago and we were discussing it. Uh, I know that um, this is that Wikipedia is not necessarily a reliable source, but for me it was a place to start. Um, Dickerson versus United States. Up here it is. This is this is again. It's it's, it's only here. But Dickerson versus United States, 530 U.S.C. 428. In the year, it was the year 2000. I was, okay, it was 2000. Um, upheld the requirement that the Miranda warning be read to criminal suspects and struck down a federal statute that purported to overrule Miranda versus Arizona in 1966. The court noted that neither party in the case advocated on behalf of the constitutionality of 18 U.S.C. 35001. Uh, the specific statute at issue in the case. Accordingly, it invited Paul Cassell, a former law clerk, to Antoine Scalia and Warren E. Berger to argue that perspective. Cassell was then a professor at the University of Utah Law School. He was later appointed to and subsequently resigned from a federal district court judgeship uh, in that state. Background. I'm going to just go ahead and read this because it's worthwhile reading. In Miranda versus Arizona, the Supreme Court held that statements of criminal suspects uh, made while they are in custody, and, and we already discussed what custody was, and suspect the subject to interrogation by police, which means interrogation, we think that's some kind of, you know, light on your face, answers any questions. It's not. It's any question they ask if they're under any color law. They show, and again, color law has to do if they're showing a badge, they are in a uniform, they identify themselves, anything, okay? Um, and they're required to. Uh, let me see. Where we I missed it. Uh, custody and subject to interrogation by police uh, may not be admitted in court unless the suspect first had certain warnings read to him beforehand. By now, these warnings are familiar to most Americans that the suspect has the right to remain silent during the interrogation, that anything he says to the police may be used against him in a court of law that he has the right to legal counsel, and that if he cannot afford legal counsel, a lawyer will be provided for him. Now, I find it fascinating they use the term legal counsel, not lawyer. I mean, not attorney, and they use lawyer, not attorney, and they use legal counsel, not uh, representative. In um, 1968, two years after the uh, Miranda decision, Congress passed a law that purported to overrule it as part of the Omnibus Crime Control and Safe Street Acts of 1968. This statute, 18 U.S.C. 3501, direct federal trial directed, now listen, here it is, directed federal trial judges to admit statements of criminal defendants if they were made voluntarily without regard to whether he had received the Miranda warning. Under 3501, voluntariness depends on such things as, one, the time between arrest and arraignment, two, whether the defendant knew the crime for which he had been arrested, number three, whether he had been told that he did not have to talk to the police and that any statement could be used against him, number four, whether the defendant knew prior to questioning that he had the right to assistance of counsel, and five, whether he actually had the assistance of counsel during questioning. 
However, the presence or absence of any of these factors, quote, need not be conclusive on the issue of voluntariness of the confession, end quote. Because 3501 was an act of Congress, it applied only to federal criminal proceedings and criminal proceedings in the District of Columbia. What? Applied only to federal criminal proceedings and criminal proceedings in the District of Columbia. Dickerson had been arrested for bank robbery and for using a firearm during a crime of violence both federal crimes. He moved to suppress statements he had made to the FBI because he had not received the Miranda warnings before he spoke to the FBI. The district court suppressed the the statements, and so the government appealed. The Fourth Circuit reversed the district court, reasoning that 3501 had supplanted the requirement that the police give the Miranda warnings because Miranda was not a constitutional requirement, and therefore Congress could overrule that decision by legislation. The Supreme Court then agreed to hear the case. Opinion of the Court. Chief Justice Rehnquist wrote the the majority opinion and began by briefly describing the historical background against which the Miranda ruling had emerged. A suspect's confession had always been inadmissible if it had been the result of coercion or otherwise given involuntarily. This was true in England, from where American law inherited that rule. However, as time went on, the Supreme Court recognized that the Fifth Amendment was an independent source of protection for statements made by criminal defendants in the course of police interrogation. Quote, in Miranda, we noted that the advent of modern custodial police interrogation brought with it an increased concern about confessions obtained by coercion, end quote. Custodial police interrogation by its very nature, quote, isolated isolates and pressures the individual, end quote, so that he might eventually be worn down and confess to crimes he did not commit in order to end the ordeal. In Miranda, the court had adopted the, non, the now famous four warnings to protect, the, uh, to protect against this particular evil. So they're calling that an evil. I think that's fascinating. Congress, to respond, in response, enacted 3501. That statute clearly was designed to overrule Miranda because it expressly focused solely on uh, on voluntariness of the confession as a touchstone for for admissibility. Did Congress have the authority to pass such law? On the one hand, the court's power to craft non-constitutional supervisory rules over the federal courts exists only in the absence of a specific statute passed by Congress. However, if on the other hand, the Miranda rule was constitutional, Congress cannot overrule it. Let me read that one more time. (laughs) However, if on the other hand, the Miranda rule was constitutional, so if it's constitutional, it's passed by Congress, Congress cannot overrule it because the court alone is the final arbiter of of what the Constitution requires. As evidence of the fact that the Miranda Rule was constitutional in nature, the court pointed out that many of its subsequent decisions applying the limiting requirement arose in decisions from state courts, over which the court lacked the power to impose supervisory non-constitutional rules. Furthermore, although the court had previously invited legislative involvement in the effort to devise prof 
prophylactic, 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 oh my God, in the effort to devise prophylactic measures for protecting criminal defendants against overbearing tactics of the police, it had consistently held that these measures must not take away from the protections Miranda had afforded. Finally, 34 years after the original decision, the court was loath to overrule Miranda. Typically, the court overrules constitutional decisions only when their doctrinal underpinning have eroded. The court felt that this was not the case in Miranda. Quote, if anything, our subsequent cases have reduced the impact of the Miranda rule on legislative law enforcement while reaffirming the decision's core ruling that unwarned statements may not be used as evidence in the prosecution's case in chief, end quote. The Miranda rule did not displace the voluntariness of inquiry. Uh, then it, so that kind of, I think, is pretty doggone clear, isn't it? Uh, so hopefully, number one, even if it did apply, it only applies to federal cases and only applies in Washington, D.C., and as the court said, even there, it does not apply because it would be unconstitutional because the Miranda warning is, in fact, an extension of the Fifth Amendment um, and actually is an additive. So we, according to what we just read, you have the 14th, which says that you may not be compelled. Okay, so you have that protection. So Congress and nobody can make any law. Uh, that abrogates the Constitution, okay? So that's number one. So even if it did, in the end, it would be unlawful, unconstitutional, and that which is unconstitutional and unlawful is what void ab initio from the beginning. Here it also stated that you have the 14th, but as things continued, because it came from the England, but as things continued, uh, they realized that there needed to be more protections. Isn't that funny? Once again, what I've stated over and over again is I realize the more statutes, the more codes, and the more law you read, you begin to find out that those are above and beyond the constitutional protections, above and beyond those uh, natural rights, above and beyond those uh, unalienable rights and protections of your life, liberty, and the pursuits of happiness. So that's why they have gone to such a campaign uh, and then I'm going to uh, kind of segue into what I was talking at the beginning, um, that what we actually found a couple of years ago that attorneys were putting out junk stuff. Uh, I don't have a list of me right now, but a lot of it, such as Sovereign Citizen, um, uh, the, uh, the, the Moors, all of those things are actual conspiracy. They're conspiracies of the, on the other side, and it's called controlled opposition. They create something that looks attractive to people who don't want to read statutes, codes, and law. If you notice, almost all of this stuff deprives you of leaving the law. It deprives you of the Constitution. Right? It deprives you of all the protections of the law. Well, let's become a non-citizen. Let's become a, uh, an island person. Let's become a moor. Let's become all these other things. And what it ends up doing is simply depriving you of the protections that are guaranteed by the Constitution, which is the, and the United States. It, it deprives you of those uh, uh, obligations which they're which they're required uh, they're they're held accountable to which they're bound by. And again, let's go back to the sixth. This Constitution, laws that shall be made in pursuance thereof, shall be the supreme law, law, and the judges in every state shall be bound thereby. 
The senators and representatives before mentioned, as well as the members of the several state legislatures, and all executive and judicial officers, both the United States and several states, shall be bound by oath or affirmation to support the Constitution. So why would you want to deprive? Again, the 15th, I mean the 14th, go look at the 14th. It does not grant anybody any rights, does not grant anybody any extra protection, does not grant anybody anything. There is no granting. There's no term that says, we hereby grant all the American people, all citizens, all 14th Amendment citizens, all persons. It doesn't say that. Read exactly and precisely what it says. It is a prohibition. I know there's no alleged word in the dictionary, but it's my word, but I think it's very powerful. It is a prohibition. It prohibits them. It binds them even more. Okay? We already have just stated that they're bound. Now, it's binding any actor, any actor of the state, any state and any actor thereof, any agent thereof. It's bound all of them. It's saying, not only can you not moon anybody, but you can't even have your zipper down. So if I'm saying, if you make a rule that says, you know, if you're a public servant, you're not allowed to have your zipper down, does that all of a sudden say, oh, well, you can go ahead and now moon? And, and does it allow anyone to go up and punch somebody in the face? No, it doesn't take anything away. It is further regulation. It is further restriction. Let's read it aloud. I, I guess I'll go read it, even though I know it by heart, but I'm going to go ahead and read it so I can actually say that I read it off of the actual document itself, which I happen to have all the time up on my computer. Why people don't have it on theirs, I don't know. Why they don't refer to it, I don't know. Let me go to the 14th. And and oh by the way, let me let me make my point, which I love to pound over and over and over again. How is it possible? Because again, remember the Constitution and all laws that are made or shall be made in pursuance thereof is subject to the principles of the expressed by the public trust known as the unanimous declaration of the thirteen United States of America. Lower you. How would that evolve if it says right here, life, liberty, the protection of life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments, and institute among men? How would it equate to that? It wouldn't, because that's clearly not protecting them, is it? So let, let me go up, read the 14th, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Come on, 14th, where are you? Article Amendment 5. And, and, and for people who don't know, I'm going to read to you the Tenth Amendment. The power is not delegated, not delegated, not delegated to the United States by the Constitution. Same thing goes for the state. The power is not delegated to the states by the state constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states or reserved to the states respectively or to the people, which is right after number nine, uh, which says the enumeration of the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. Good, I got that one right. So let's go to the 14th, the 11th, da 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 12. Scroll down, scroll down, scroll down. 13th. Ah, here's one. Let's go to the 13th first. Neither slavery nor, so that means we could actually eliminate for, for, these, for what, the purposes I'm using because it's separate. Okay, you could say slavery shall not exist in the United States. 
And you can do section two. It says, involuntary servitude shall not exist within the United States or territory subject to its jurisdiction. I'm going to read it to you because both of them are equally as powerful and they could be separated, but that's what the word nor or or means. They're equal. Neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as a punishment for a crime, wherefore the party shall have been duly convicted. So if you're not convicted, you can wipe that out. Shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction under 18 U.S.C. subsection uh, 241, 242, and all the other ones, including the 14th, which is beautiful about the 14th because it regulates the states. Right? It clearly puts a binding on the states because it says what? Let's go ahead and read it. Uh, involuntary means what? Clearly you know what voluntary means. So this goes back to answer the Quillis question. Okay? What did you volunteer for? You could volunteer for something. And the point that she was trying to make was, well, you went down and you got a, a driver's license. Well, okay, you willingly went down you got a license to drive should you choose to drive. That doesn't regulate you in any other manner unless you're engaged in that activity. And guess what? you got a license so that when you're engaged in that activity, you are, in fact, engaged in that activity in a lawful manner. Not a problem. You see how simple that is. So involuntary means what? You didn't volunteer. What is volunteer? You cannot volunteer to do something unless you have full disclosure. Now, it's not voluntary, is it? And you cannot be any law or statute made that would abrogate any right. So your right to freely travel, as we've said right here, let me read it one more time. What does it say right here? It says, State versus McIntyre, all the cases I gave you, a person is restrained or imprisoned when he is deprived of either liberty of movement by whatever means. It doesn't say except when in a vehicle that has a motor in it going down the highway, does it? There is no exception there. So the liberty of freedom of movement, his movement, or freedom to remain in the place of his lawful choice. So if you want to stand somewhere and it's lawful for you to stand there, they can't move you on. And such restraint or imprisonment may be accomplished by physical force or threat of force or by conduct reasonably implying that force will be used. So let's go down to this other one, which says here, deprived of his or her freedom of action in any significant way. So if you want to do something and they're telling you, oh, no, you can't, and you're being deprived of it, guess what? You've been arrested. Okay? And you can't be arrested unless there's a warrant, and that warrant must be what? It must be a firm, it must be with it. And no warrant shall issue but upon probable cause. And secure, uh, secure what is it, secure, secured? No, it's, uh, I'll read it in a second. By an affidavit. So you, they don't have that. They have to have it first. So let's go on. So involuntary servitude means what? Get involuntary. If there's not full disclosure, then you could not have been volunteered. Just like if there's not full disclosure, there's no contract. All right? And guess what? Even if you volunteered, you can unvolunteer. Otherwise, you're not volunteering. I unvolunteer. All right, you unvolunteer. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm in the wrap-up state. Don't be disruptive, young lady. All right, here we go, the 14th. No state shall make 
or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of the citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. It's a restriction. Nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protections of the law. Now, it says within its jurisdiction, which means what? First, they have to show they have jurisdiction. They can't show jurisdiction, then they can't do anything anyway. So it's a catch-22 for them. The moment that they claim to have jurisdiction, now they're saying, okay, you're in our jurisdiction. You go, well, now you just admit it, that you have jurisdiction over the matter, which now means that you are required to give me the equal protections of the law. Protections of protection, singular, of the laws. Which clearly indicates, once again, that the laws are there to protect us. It keeps coming for a circle. This is why... You know, to me, the more the more you read, the more you realize how ridiculous some of these arguments are, because it repeats it over and over and over and over and over and over again. How long? Okay. You just got to reprieve a half hour extra extension here. I've been extended on my parole. So let me repeat it again. What is the first word? No state shall make. That is a restriction. No, nor shall any state deprive, nor shall any state deny. So they shall not deprive, they shall not deny, and they shall not uh, make or enforce any law. Now, why is that there? If we go back and study this particular amendment, it was because in the South they had those laws uh, that were written down, and they also had unwritten laws, which was segregation. They were segregating laws. So what they found out was even what they did the first time they tried to restrict them was they took the laws down. They no longer were in writing. You couldn't find them. It went to common law, what some people call common law, that which is not written. Right? Common law is not written down, right? Okay. Let, let's be clear on that, right? I don't agree with that, but I'm making fun of it. Um, so uh, because, as I said before, please tell me what common law is, and once you tell me, I'm going to put it on paper, which means it doesn't exist. It's no longer common law anymore. It's the most asinine thing I've ever heard. It's so, so common, commonsensical to see that that's not true. Uh, all law, in my opinion, comes from common law, common sense, right? That's basically what comes down to the amount of fairness. That's what equity is, amount of fairness. You have to come, that's why you can show that they don't come in clean hands. One of the provisions in equity, if you can get into an equity court and show that this is an equitable matter, you can say, hey, they're not coming in with clean hands. The fact that the courts are ignoring the rule, the four corners rule and the clean hands rule, is not your problem. That's why you go to appeals court. And remember what we said before, only those people that have appealed and appealed and appealed have created case law for the rest of us to use. So by, quote, unquote, losing is actually a benefit for yourself and everybody else because when you go to the, to the next level and the next level and then you have to go to federal court under 42-1983, you can show that it's a policy of the state to deprive you of some right or privilege secured by the constitutional laws of the United States. Guess what? You can have a much bigger effect, and now you've got case law that other people can use and rely upon. All of this case law that we rely upon was somebody like you or me who took the time, took the energy, took the effort, and it's as daunting a task as it is. And one out of a million basically do it. 
It's daunting task that they went to the trouble, and now guess what? We can now rely upon those cases, can't we? How cool is that? Now, that's actually making a difference. Not this armchair warrior crap. Um, uh, let me see. So, once again, there it is. It's a restriction um, upon the states, and again, everything else is restricted. A representative shall be a portion. No person shall be a senator, so it's restriction, restriction, restriction. Um, uh, now, here's interesting here. I think it's the part I was talking about the 14th Amendment says, all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. Now, I find that particular part a very interesting statement. People say that created a 14th Amendment citizen. But here, it, it uses the word born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof. Well, if you're one of these people who wants to get out, all you have to say is, hey, even though I was born here, even though I was naturalized, I'm not subject to the jurisdiction. I'm not volunteering for that. Okay, what do you do? Then you just simply say, I would do it the other way. Say, who has evidence that I'm subject to the jurisdiction? Nowhere in the Constitution does it regulate the people. I don't know why no one does that. Why do you just go, oh, well, that's your religious thing? Why not use that which they're using against you? I mean, I hear these people go, well, that's your Constitution. That's your religious and political belief, and what has that got to do with me? I think it's a great argument, but I think it's more powerful to say, they go, well, would you please show me the Constitution where the people are regulated? Ah! Find me one place in the Constitution, state Constitution, or the, or, or the United States Constitution, find me one place where it says, the people shall not. Or the people cannot, or the people may not. No man shall. No man may. Find me. It ain't there. So why don't you simply say, oh, that's a wonderful Constitution you got there. Uh, would you please show me anywhere in the Constitution, whether state or federal, where a man or woman or one of the people is regulated? Please show me. It ain't there. On the contrary, what you see is it's restricting the very thing, the government, the thing. It's a, it's a corporate charter, basically what it is. It's a charter, and it restricts them from having any activity, from doing certain things. And it requires them to provide certain protections for the people. So why would you want to throw that away? Why would you want to throw away something that protects you, something that was created, somebody worked really hard, not somebody, but a lot of somebodies. Unlike nobodies. There's a lot of somebody who went to a lot of trouble to fight and work and 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 and, and craft and, and take all this effort and energy. Oh my God, trust me, it took two years out of my life. And we're talking 18, 20 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days out of the year. I'm not kidding. I was running four businesses on my single handedly running four businesses, managing 15 different properties, and doing all the other stuff that goes with the other 22 properties. And I worked harder than I was as well as doing the construction with my own hands. I gave all that up, and I worked even harder studying the law and doing the law and learning it so that I could bring an action. It took all of that effort for two whole years, fighting and fighting and fighting, studying, studying, and studying, writing, writing, writing. And just $10,000, close enough is 9800 some dollars, in mere paper, ink, and cost. That wasn't no compensation, 
not talking about paying anybody, et cetera, et cetera. You know, just the cost of doing it, $10,000, something like that, was my cost to end up forcing nine judges in the Supreme Court in Oklahoma to, uh, to cause another judge in a lower court to abide by the law, which was clearly written. Anybody could see it. It's absolutely ridiculous. It is a daunting task. Nobody says it isn't. And I believe that we should appreciate it. And the way that you appreciate it is by using it, making use of it. Thank you, Creator. Thank you, God. Thank you, whoever. Thank you, whoever did it. Miranda, thank you so very much for bringing that action so that we now have those protections that we don't have under common law. Let me repeat that. You do not have those protections under common law. You don't have Miranda rights under common law. You don't have those protections of your rights under common law. And under true common law, if you listen to um, Cheyenne's show, which was great to hear, to talk to Russ again. Thank you so much, Cheyenne, if you're on, because uh, we talked for several hours, and re- both of us going as long. We haven't heard from each other for probably three years, and yet we're almost at the same point. We're, we're, we shared more information and updated each other. And he really liked my capacity. He goes, oh, my God, he was, like, really freaked out about it, which was really cool. Because, see, he's a guy who's unbiased. We can have a discussion. We can have an, a quote-unquote argument. But we'll always find something nugget. Even if we disagree, we'll find a nugget that's good. We'll agree on it. And then we'll go in and experiment and go look at it from another point of view and then update each other and come to an agreement. And that's why I love that guy. He doesn't, he doesn't, he's not trying to get into a fight. He's not trying to win a fight. He wants what I want, which is let's make a difference. Let's change things around. So it's, it's, really, it's really simple to comprehend, in my mind, to comprehend that why would you want to throw away those extra protections that so many people have worked so hard and fought for in order to get? You know, this is when I hear, uh, you know, I hear certain people uh, bitching and moaning about white people and this and white people that blaming, quote, unquote, white people for everything. To, you know, and they want reparations. I'm saying, well, hold on a minute. Technically, you call me white, even though if you look at this white piece of paper, that's white. Look at my skin color. That's a different color. But they want to blame the white people for everything. Well, that includes me in that group of people. And I'm first generation in this country. I had, nobody in my family has ever had anything to do with slavery or anything like that. And, oh, wait a minute. Let me remind you that a lot of white people got on those buses and got beat up and killed and, and abused and, and, and everything else because they marched as well. That's kind of pissing in their faces, isn't it? All those quote-unquote white people that marched and put their asses on the line and got beat up, both men and women, because they understood the concept that all men are created equal and endowed by the creator with certain unleadable rights. So I really take ombrance, you know, it's just like when I came back from the military at the time, oh, because, because of, uh, you know, G.I. Jane, he was uh, bringing all this stuff, um, you know, about, about the baby killers. You know, I was in the Navy, okay? I wasn't, I wasn't the one shooting people in a village and, put, and, and burying them because I was ordered to do so, because I wouldn't have in the first place, okay? 
And that doesn't. And just because one person commits a crime doesn't mean that everybody's a criminal who just happens to be. You know, it's like all cops are not bad. Okay. And 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 if you look at the shooting where people are shooting cops, uh, you know, it's stupid. Why is it always the good ones, all the innocent ones that are killed? I never understood that. If you're going to commit suicide, you're going to start doing stupid stuff like shooting people. Make sure you make a target out of somebody who who you who who is causing problems to other people. Why do you want to kill innocent good people? This doesn't make sense to me. Craziness is what it is. It's ridiculous. So once again, I'm going to keep saying it. Why would you want to throw away that which so many people have put their lives on the line for and even cost their lives, their limbs, their face? I mean, go to a VA hospital sometime and tell them that you want to throw away those rights that they fought for. Go ahead. See the people without a face on. See the people without an arm that are struggling in tears every day. They don't have a wife. They don't have a, a, a husband. They don't have children. They sacrifice more than just that leg. They sacrifice every form of their life. And it was for you. It was for the future generations, for every one of us. And to me, the people reject it and want to do all this expatriation stuff and doubt it, 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 to me, it's insanity. No reason, no conceptual reason why you'd want to throw away something that somebody gave you. Because if you can do that, why don't you just throw away your unalienable rights that your creator endowed you with? Just throw them away. I walk into court and go, yes, I'm boss, you're just, I'm, are you the master, I'm the slave. Just go ahead. Why? Why don't you say, well, I'm a man. There's nothing wrong with that. That's great. Why not sit there and say, hey, aren't you restricted by this? And aren't you restricted by that? Aren't you supposed to do due process of law? Where's this, 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 and this? By what capacity are you suing me? And under what capacity are you suing? And that's the short version. The quickest, fastest way I know. And that's the one that Russ loves so much. But you guys don't want to use those words, capacity. Anyway, so there again, let me reread it. Let me reread it. So it's not me. I'm just reading it. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States. Well, wow, that sounds like something that's awesome. If you've got privileges and immunities of a citizen of the United States, so that means the citizens of the United States have privileges and immunities that are now secured. And cannot be abridged. Cannot be abridged. Sounds an awful lot like a right to me. Oh, well, they can change it. If they can give it to you, they can take it. No, they can't. What do we just read in that case law? This beautiful, beautiful thing in that case law. If it's constitutional, then they cannot change it. They cannot alter it. They cannot undo it. There it is. Boom. And I should, right there. And it, boom, boom, boom. If it's constitutional, they can't take it away. They can't statute. They can't make any law. They can't enforce any law. So here, it's, even if you're a 14th Amendment citizen, it looks to me like you've got not only your rights, but your privileges and immunities are all protected. If a state does, in fact, violate or enforce any law, written or unwritten, that abridges privileges or immunities, why would you not want to say, yeah, I'll be a citizen of the United States? And guess what they did? They violated my rights and they violated my privileges and they violated my immunities and I want $2 million. And when you can prove the case and show that, yes, indeed they did, why would you want to say no to that? 
You know, what does that guy say? Oh, you can call me Ray. You can call me Jay. You can call me asshole. You can call me anything you want. Just don't call me late for dinner. Real simple stuff here. Um, so, again, uh, and for somebody else I wanted to mention tonight, that uh, I only see Roddy K, who you know I'm not opening the mic for his ass, I see Aquila. Is that a mistake, Aquila? Did you still have your hand raised? I'll, I'll unmute you for a second. Hopefully that answered your question. I don't want to belabor that. I've already covered it. It's done. We're not going to rehash it. It's up to you if you want to choose to get a license or not get a license, to choose to use a license or not use a license, to choose whether you want to um, uh, engage in an activity that is regulated and have a license for it, uh, and it's also your choice if you want to not engage in activity that is regulated by the license that you may or may not happen to have on you. Okay? So I really don't want to go after that again. Um, so go ahead, Quill. I'm going to go ahead and unmute you for a second. Hello, I'm here. Go ahead. Did you have some other comment or question you wanted to raise? Well, you said you didn't want to talk about it. No, that issue's closed now. You, you've got your opinion. I've read it. Um, it's there in law. It's written down. I can back it up with case law. I've read the statute. I've read the motor vehicle code. Uh, I've also mentioned what the license is for. It's for brokers. I never was told I was a broker. Being a broker, I read it right here out of the statute. Okay? A license is a license that's given to a broker. Okay? So we're, talking, we're not talking about that stuff. It's, been, it's done. That conversation is done as far as I'm concerned. Do you have something else you wish to discuss? Well, many things, but I'm not going to hold up your call because you said you was going to, you know, wrap it up soon enough. Is that true? I mean, I don't want to get into something else if you are. Uh, you know, you, I don't know why, Aquila, but I don't know if it's your phone or the, or the way you speak. Uh, can you voice. hear me now? I hear you. It's not a hearing. It's understanding. Oh. You, why don't we follow on or walk on like this, like a boy on a family, you're flying the same. When it sounds like this, I want to and I really can't understand what you're saying. Is this, this better? Is this better? That's much better. Whoa, what's you do? Okay, great. Now you're clear. Okay, you said you didn't want to reach that set. I was asking that you want to speak about another topic or are you going to wrap this up? And I don't want to get in that if that's going to be long-winded as well. Yeah, it, I, I've got about another 15 minutes. If it's a worthwhile topic, then go ahead. Let's open up another topic. Okay. That'll be fine. Um, Back so up again. What just, you did before you undid, whatever you did before, you undid and you, you muffled it. Okay. Is this better? No. No. Okay, no, I haven't done anything. It's beautiful, huh? I haven't done anything special. All right, well, I, I can understand you a little bit better. Go ahead. Okay, I just want to make sure. Okay. Okay, okay, I'm going to talk about, what about identification, identifying yourself, uh, whatever that may be, who you say person or... You know, I'm I, I'm a woman, so that's what I identify myself as at all times. Um, or 
Sometimes we can be identified as an aunt, you know, cousin. That so those are just titles, but those titles don't identify me. If you know what I mean. Absolutely. So if they want to believe I'm a person, so be it. That's what they believe. That's not what I said. So you have to be a powerful. I'm just saying, but one agrees to. I mean, you may be called a lot of things or have titles of many things, but that doesn't define who you truly are. And that's what we have to be uh, careful of agreeing to those such things. So that's what I wanted to talk about a bit. So there you go. What do you think about that? I agree with what you're saying. I, I believe, actually, for me, uh, and I'm looking at the definition, and just because they write a definition does not necessarily make it bound upon me, but it is bound upon them if it's in law. Um, but for me, the word identification or to identify um, means the following. It's going to be difficult for me to explain, but I will. I identify myself with other windsurfers because I have been on a windsurfer and I have done windsurfing. I identify myself with people who have been uh, abused because I have experienced it. I identify myself with people who love cooking because I love cooking. I identify myself uh, with people who do welding or do woodwork or uh, have, have done investments or uh, have owned their own business. I identify with, which means to me that I have experienced it. That's what it means to identify to me. Uh, um, uh, as a super sympathetic, I identify with people's pain and I try to find it and remove it or release it. Um, so to me, that's what the word identify means, that you, you include yourself in that concept or principle or that feeling, that, that aspect of things. But would I identify myself with, with evil? No. Would I identify myself with a corporation? No. Uh, would I, even though I've had businesses, I would not call myself a business because I have never been and I cannot be a business. I can engage, and this is where the line is so powerful once you get this in your head, that there is a huge delineation between identifying with a persona or person, which is somebody who acts in a certain manner consistent with a certain set of, uh, uh, shall we say, requirements for a certain purpose. And that's why uh, do, you, do I identify myself with a taxpayer? Absolutely not, because uh, I am not a taxpayer, and I have not engaged in the activity of a taxpayer. Now, does that mean that I have not been called uh, a, a jackass or a taxpayer? I've been called a taxpayer, uh, um, just like I did not know when they were sending letters to, and they said, dear owner of the property. And for a while I thought, that I did identify until I looked up what their definition of owner is. And that is the person the person who is obligated and responsible to pay taxes. Well, that's only if that property is engaged in activity of ta- a taxable activity. So once I discovered that, you know, only the owner is basically the fiduciary responsible for that, no, that's not me. So I no longer identify with it. Um, do, do, now, would you say, well, do you pay taxes? I say I pay all lawful taxes but I do not identify myself as a taxpayer. In fact, I would identify myself as what I found now that I have a, a term that, it, that I found in a court case as a non-taxpayer because it's actually a term 
non-taxpayer, which is somebody who's not obligated to pay taxes. It's real simple. Um, and, and in a way, you've got to think about the flip side of a coin. If there's a taxpayer, there must be a non-taxpayer. If there's a, ser- a servant, there must be a non-servant, a slave, and so on. So, so almost everything is going to be the opposite. So, uh, you know, do I want to call myself a non-citizen? Not particularly. I don't mind being a citizen, particularly if a citizen uh, has my rights, privileges, and immunity. Now, does that mean that once I become a citizen or I identify myself as a citizen, that I no longer could be a man? I no longer could be a father? I could no longer be a brother? No, absolutely not. I can be a whole bunch of things that I want to be. I can identify with all those other things if I want. And even if I have a person, this is what's interesting about Hale versus Hinkle, where when you go further down than what I did, I actually went to and started reading the last part of it even more. It was really fascinating because the court goes on further to say even if, you, even, even if the corporation, which is clearly a person as defined, uh, it still has rights under the 13th and 14th. Uh, so it was really fascinating to me that even if somebody calls you a person, even if you identify with being a quote-unquote person, even still they cannot deprive you of rights. What's the 14th? Again, it's prohibitive. No state shall deny any person, and it does not uh, exclude corporations, and that's basically what he said. It does not exclude corporations, so it doesn't mean... Well, what is the state? You're saying the states cannot be deprived. What is a state? The state cannot what? You said be deprived of rights. So I'm asking what is a state? What state are you referring to? Well, it depends upon what you're defining state as and for what purpose it is. Not me. You were reading something, I guess, or making a quote. Yeah, I'm reading the 14th. No state shall make. Now, state uh, is a general term in this particular use. They have, I, uh, when you go to case law, which I've done to, to secure this concept, whenever it's used in this general term, it includes all states, including the United States. And that includes, in fact, for the purpose of the case law, it says that includes uh, Puerto Rico and the other, uh, Washington, D.C., Puerto Rico, and what's the other one? Uh, it was Hawaiian Islands until they became uh, uh, part of the United States. I'm trying to think of the other one. is Puerto Rico. What's the other one? Outlying islands, I think is what they call it. It is inclusive. When it says no state, uh, that's exactly what it means. Anything that appears to be state or statehood. Let me see if I can find anything else here. Yeah. Um, So it's all inclusive. United States is considered a state. State is considered a state. And even Puerto Rico, because it's part and parcel to the United States, it's part, part of it. Okay? So... Again, um, 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 oh, I just lost my train of thought. I'm sorry, I was reading the board. Just like we were talking about state. Oh, okay. Yeah, we but before talking. that, there was a reason about the state. The state, the state of, again, you, you know, state. deprived of their rights. That's what you was reading. Okay. Yeah, it's a prohibition. It's prohibited. They're prohibiting and saying, no, you cannot deprive any person. And again, person is not defined specifically like it is in the statute, which I was reading earlier over and over and over again. Because it's not defined in the general term means, and when you look up person in this case, it does mean people, uh, the plural side of uh, people, and the way you know this by his or her, it uses the word his or her to include that. But it also includes corporations. It includes uh, all these other things that, that are defined because it's not exclusive. It doesn't say, well, excluding corporations, because it could have said that. 
It could have said no state should deprive any person except for corporations of life, of life, liberty, or property without due process law. It doesn't say that. And that was the, that's what Hale versus Hinkle goes in to describe. The thing that it said that was different was that because this particular person was acting as an agent of a corporation, and that because a corporation is a creation of the state, and because it's a creation of the state, and all creations of the state are presumed to be for the benefit of the people, and because a corporation has a charter, which is approved of by the state, it, that the state retains the right, only the state, the one that created it, the creator of the state, which should give you a clue that the people who created the state also have the same, has the right and power to inspect its books and see if it is acting within its corporate charter and the laws that it's subject to, the laws and statutes and codes that it's subject to. And but, that just lays it out so beautifully. But it was, it, was, it, was, it was called the right of visitation in order to ensure. Okay. No, different, no different than you have the right to go around to your car and take a look and make sure that the tires are pumped up properly or check and see that the brakes are working properly or that the, 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 the gears are properly greased up and so on. You, but you what know, that is, has to do with man or woman? That's, that's what I'm not getting. Because, again, it's saying clearly that no state shall make or enforce any law that abridges the privileges and immunities of the citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deprive any person of the equal protections of the law. I'm merely making a point. But it don't say man or woman. That's the point. Because it is all inclusive. That's my point. Yeah, oh, well, that's what you believe. Okay, that's fine. It's I'll all inclusive. They're not talking well, about men. You know, there's a state law which actually says that surely if the servant is entitled to the bathroom, so is the master. Once again, it's not talking about man or woman. That's what I'm saying. Well, what is your definition of man or woman then? It seems to me you have some, some strange definition of man it's or what woman. what God created. I'm a woman. I'm a perfect example of that. What what is your I definition? You're a man, of woman. you're perfect. Whatever my definition is the same what God God said. That's it. There's no other So are you saying because it doesn't say man or woman that therefore that that the state any state can abuse men and women? That they don't have that protection? Is that what you're trying to say? Not what I'm trying to say. All I am saying it doesn't talk about a man or woman. Because Correct. the only all right, so that's what I'm saying. And then you oh, ask me to define a man and a woman. I can, you, I can show you case law after case law where that's case a man, law. Talking, a man and opinion. a woman. And that's someone else's court. opinion, right? Isn't it someone else's opinion? I'm not hearing you because I'm trying to share something with you. Okay, and isn't it someone else's law. opinion? That's what I said. A man. There are plenty of case law where men or women have gone into court and got a judgment in their favor when they stood and said, I have the right to the equal protections of the law in accordance with the 14th. So what does that tell me? That the, that the term person in this case includes men and women. It didn't say that. That's why you go to case law to see how they interpret it. Let's go to the, let's go to the other one. But the that's right opinion. Once right again, against. it's still opinion. It's not the law. It's just someone's that's opinion. Let me ask you a question. 
Sure. When when it says on the on the fifth, the right of the people. Do you consider yourself one of the people? I consider myself a woman. Do you consider yourself one of the people? I told you what I consider myself a woman. So you're not a people. I'm a woman. Let me ask you a question a little bit more. Then sure. a little more specific. Does the term woman exclude all others such as person, people, uh, uh, what what is some people, carbon-based, uh, what is it? Human this, being, this, maybe human being. I'm going to just say what God said it was, a woman, or mankind. Fantastic. So you're tell, so what you're a woman, me, mankind, mankind include women and men. But this all right. woman, what, about, all men. what about the term people? That's what man said, people, persons, citizens. They made up that. All right, let me and ask I'm you a question. So what, this is what I'm hearing you say. That okay. you, want, you don't want any of the protections of the United States, the state, uh, due process of law or anything. You don't want any of those protections. Is that what you're saying? I never said that. Well, then what are you saying? I'm saying I'm already protected. If it doesn't say man or woman, according to you, then it doesn't apply to you, right? That's not what I said. That's what you say. I didn't well, say that. I'm waiting for you to say something. Tell me something affirmative. I did. I said I'm a woman. And that now, you know, the woman and man create the government, and the government was designed to protect man and woman, period. So what else do you want me to tell you? That's what I so you do. So you do agree that the government is here to protect the man and woman, even though what the we set rules the law, the law that we set in order. Now they can misconstrue or twist it, or use the statutes and codes for the citizens, obviously, or person or corporations. It's not for man or woman. That's what I'm saying. It's what they need to do. So I, I don't disagree with that. What I'm asking, what I'm asking, is a different question. You're shifting the question. You keep shifting the question away from. A very simple question. Do you believe that the United States is obligated to uh, to protect the rights of man and women, even though the word man and woman is not de- either defined or specified in the Constitution? Let's do this. Whom is this United States you speak of? Do what? Whom is this United States you speak of? The man and woman who worked for the United States took that job. It's their job to protect man and woman. That's what I'm saying. No argument there? So okay. what, is the, not, what is the United States in your mind? It's another corporation. That's what I believe. A, a body of corporation is made up of a man and woman who does a job that, you know, protects man or woman. That's what I believe. Like, you can get a security guard. What does the job of security do? He secure the area for men and women, but he only could do but so much, and the government only could do but so much. But God can protect all, and that's who I rely my trust in. Even though, man, even, though the, even though the term man and woman is not mentioned, you're saying that you're still entitled to those rights, and you're entitled to those protections. What? Okay, so as you said that I, a woman, is retired, uh, entitled to rights, that's what you're asking me? Is that no, the I, not only the right, but the entitled to the protections 
of the United States or in your in in your purview that the United States consists of persons or officers or people that are hired to do certain tasks, do you believe, even though the term man and woman is not utilized, that they are still required to protect your rights or the rights as established? And what rights are they are they required to protect? The ones that are enumerated, the ones that aren't enumerated, the ones that you believe in, the ones you don't believe in. What is their obligation, because you just said that man and woman created the government, so what is the obligation of the government? What is specifically their obligation? I believe the obligation of that corporation which the man and woman do work for, those men and women who took the job to work for, is to protect men and women, period. As for right, I have less too, but I keep it moving. I like to okay, but straight. even but well, wait a minute. Even though the term man or woman, again, I'm going to repeat the question. Even though the term man or woman is not mentioned in the Constitution, you still believe that they have an obligation to man and woman. Is that correct? I believe that the um, Constitution was sort of like a rule or something that they, man and woman who took the job to do that job, working for the corporation government. They have to protect men and women because they took the oath to say they will do so. Okay, but in their oath, but in their oath, there's nowhere do they use the word man or woman. So how can they be obligated to a contract that they have not obligated themselves to, where man and woman is not used? They are supposed to. This is what I'm saying. You asked me about the government. What is functions? Basically, that's what you was asking me, and I'm answering your question. The government functions, was supposed to, was created to protect men and women. Okay, it's that simple. Now, but how, where do you? Okay, here's my question. Clearly, again, that which is created on paper exists only on paper, and I'm asking you to show me on paper where that obligation comes from to protect man or woman when there's no mention of man or woman. It does protect man and woman. Where does it say that? It doesn't where say does, that. It, it does say not. No well, state shall make or send all that are the privilege of units of man or woman. What do Colin believe? Okay. Am I wrong what I'm saying, Colin? Am I wrong? I'm asking you. I'm asking you. Don't try to do the uh, flip on me. Like, like no, I'm not doing what I just said with the statement I made. Am I wrong? I believe, I I am, believe you're wrong, know. but that's just my belief. I'm asking you what can you show. Oh, okay. You... Well, if I'm not wrong, then I, it must be the correct way. I believe no, the I, government I, as was I said, created I believe you are wrong men. in your assertion, yes. I believe the government was created by men and women to protect man and woman, set some sort of order, set some sort of uh, boundary so, you know, to help one another. That's what it was supposed to. Obviously, they're doing everything but most of the time. Right. And I agree with your principle. I agree with your principle, but I'm talking specific not my here. Principle. Specific. I'm just saying what that's the government was set up to do. But I'm also disagreeing with you because nowhere in the government does it use the, man, the term man or woman. So you t- are you saying that it's not to protect man and woman? Is that what you believe? I'm not asking. Even it's not about what I believe. No, don't, you don't, don't, turn, word, don't try to turn it on me what I believe. It's about what you believe, even Quilter. Though I told you you're on the hot seat here. I, I want not, you to I'm, confirm I'm what you're saying. I want you, to, I want you to verify and substantiate what you're saying. It's a very simple question. If you believe that you're a woman, but the term woman is not meant, I'm going to mute you if you keep interrupting me. 
It, and the term the word woman you, is you, not you're good utilized. And you don't want to hear the truth. So that's what you do. Mute me out. That's what you do. But that's why. No, I'm asking you to answer the question. Don't ask me I what I believe. I'm asking you a question what you believe and how to affirm what you're believing. I told you what I believe in. Now I'm no, asking you what you, you believe. Affirmed. I'm asking you to affirm it. I got you your belief. You don't have to agree with it. I'm just telling you what I believe. You asked me a question. I okay. told you what I believe. Thank you very much for sharing with everybody your belief, and thank you very much for proving that you can't verify that belief. If that's what you believe, now you can go mute me out. If that's what, what you believe. What do. evidence do you have? Show me any evidence that, that what the evidence that I that do the not. United Show me the evidence that, that the government what evidence is... you do that you just said I, I, I wasn't wrong, so what's the problem? You just said I was not wrong, so what's the problem? You're not evidencing your claim. So am I wrong? I believe you're wrong, yes. Okay, well, you can believe whatever you wish. You're entitled to That's that. true. So you can believe whatever else. you want. Amen. And if, you're correct. And if you, want to, if you want to keep believing and saying that the only thing that you, you want to... A believe is that woman, and yet there's no place in the Constitution where, or any court case I've seen where woman, it says woman, uh, or, because or, or the Constitution it, it doesn't say again, that, and yet you still believe that the government Constitution, is man and woman. The amendments, the Constitution is not what man or woman should be doing. Well, what, what is the should it's business? What is the definition of should? We're talking about Listen, law here. You guys are all into this common we're talking law. About what law. is the, what the, is the only, term law I have mean? I follow the law, and the law is written. I mean, in the Bible, you can read it. You can't kill. Well, who's to say kill. that the King James the, Bible is the law? It's been so convoluted Did I, did I mention King James Bible? Did I say that? Are you, are you saying, well, any Bible, what Bible you want to okay. use, who's to say that somebody else's writings is the law? Can you kill for no reason? I don't want you to ask a question. You've got to answer my question. Well, that, that, is, the, that is the answer. No, it's you, not the answer. If I, I what, said what, the law, what, said what follow say, the law. What say All thou? man and what woman has to do is follow the law, and that's it. What law? What law? That Your law? My law? I should not damage. Who's law? I should not harm another man. Is well, that who the law? That's, that's the not law. true. Who, is that the law? Who that's not Okay, let me ask you this. Are you going to answer my question, you but six, you want to ask me I'm going to mute you out now. if you keep talking over me, okay? Go all ahead right. and speak. Go Let's make this speak. a conversation, Aquila. You do this all the time. You're such a bully, it's not even funny. You okay? want to mute me out you, since I'm a bully? Around, and you twist things around so that you, the other person has to answer your question to answer the question that's been asked you. It's a direct, simple question. I'm going to give a quick scenario, see if this will make any sense. A child is out in the middle of the street, and a car is coming, and they're clearly going to be run over. You tackle the child to save the child's life, and in that process, you've now injured that child. So according to your law, I cannot tackle them because I'm going to injure them. But in actual fact, I injured them in order to save their life. So now, there's a scenario. I'm going to unmute you again. Address that scenario, not any other scenario. Address that scenario. What was your question again? It's a very I want to be clear. You're, according to your law, you shall not, thou shalt not harm another. In the process of saving somebody's life, you injure them. But according to you, you cannot injure them. So do I save their life and injure them, or do I obey the law and don't injure them and don't save their life? You save their life. Whatever means it may take. 
If you can. Even though I'm going to injure them, you should save their life, correct? You save, I'm going to say it again very clearly. You save their life if whatever means it may take. For example, sometimes someone is drowning. Okay, I used to swim and then you know, try to help somebody if they're drowning. They're so confused. They're just trying to save their life. They just bought Sometimes the lifeguard have to actually punch them out, knock them completely out in order to save them. Okay? So I, I there can't you understand go. what you're so, saying. You're, you're oh, I'm going to say it again. You can hear me now? Oh, that's a little just, better. Just talk softly. Okay. Don't talk so what loud. I said was this. For example, I'll give you a great example. The, okay, when someone is drowning and a lifeguard go out to save them, they are in panic mode. An experienced lifeguard knows that. So a lot of times, they either knock you out or if they can't sustain in order to save you. Okay? Oh, I'm very familiar with that. Yes, I was lifeguarded right, in so the first grade. Yep, yep, I agree. Right, so I'm so that is not, okay, so it depends on the harm. depends on why it was done. There's a lot of factors in the matter. You know, sometimes someone's leg is stuck in a car, but if you don't pull them out, you might break their leg in the process. The car is going to catch on fire. So do you leave them there or you can get them, pull them out, and break their leg? You do whatever means is necessary. That's what I'm saying. In order to save a life. And oh well, sometimes that happens. That doesn't mean you did wrong. Okay, so so wait a minute. Now I'm a little confused. I know you're going to try to interrupt me, so I'm going to just go ahead and learn from past lessons here. Go ahead and mute you out so I can talk without you interrupting. So according to what you just said, that it is okay to violate your law, which is thou should not injure or harm another. So what you're saying now is in contradiction. So your law is not a hard and fast law, that there are exceptions to it. So it sounds like you have even a higher law, that we're not only should we not do any quote-unquote harm, but we shall not allow harm to be done to somebody because of a situation that we have basically an obligation to help our brother. That sounds like a different law. That's a very different law than thou should not do any harm. We should do whatever, what is, benef- what is best or best or, or benef- most beneficial or least harmful. Let's try it that way. I'm not making the law. I'm trying to get a law out of what you're saying because I asked you for it and you still haven't given me one. And so I'm just showing you how you really haven't given a law that you can stand upon, okay? Because it's the least amount of harm. So if I have to, as you say, break somebody's legs in order to save their life, then that's the least amount of harm in order to save a life. So there's a greater harm and a lesser harm. So in that sense, it's not a hard and fast rule that you shall not harm anyone else. But again, I want to go back to the constitutional thing. You say on the one hand, and I'm so glad to hear you say that you believe that man created government. That's beautiful, because that's really what's at the basis of this. And actually, you and I agree on that. Yes, government was created and continues to be allowed to maintain or uh, allowed to exist by the consent of the, by the people, not the government, but the, of the people, or what you might say, man or woman, okay, that... Uh, that to secure, it's very simple, it is rewriting, that to secure these rights, okay? It's very simple to understand, that to secure these rights. So now I can stand upon and show you in writing, in contract, 
Did that, yes, in fact, this is true. That the people, whatever you determine, now I believe when it says the right of the people to be secure in the person house status effects, that includes all men, women, and the like. When it uses person in that particular sense, because they don't define it otherwise and they're not eliminating, it includes everybody and everything, which is different from everybody. The right of the people, because the people have rights, unalienable rights. Persons don't. But it says a, a prohibition that no state shall in, uh, deprive any person. That includes corporations of life, the life of the corporation, liberty, or uh, life, liberty, or property. Notice it doesn't say the pursuit of happiness, because if it did, that's a man type of thing. Okay? So if you have a man type of thing, they know the difference. They use the word people. When they're, re when they're including corporations and the like, then it does clearly state that it's person, but it doesn't use the word pursuit of happiness. It says life, liberty, or property. So it's very clear. So to sit there and say, wait a minute, on the one hand, man created government to secure their rights, but at the same time, you're saying that you're only man or woman, and when it only states, or they're only contracted, you've now created a contract, and anyone knows that when you create an entity, you create a contract or a corporate charter. So you essentially, if you insist on, it's kind of like the uh, sovereign citizen case, this is what, what this reminds me of. Uh, the sovereign citizen case where, they, where the courts clearly stated that there is no such, they didn't say there was no such thing as a sovereign citizen, so they allowed him to believe what he believed. But what they said was that if you're a true sovereign, if you're actually sovereign, uh, then the court doesn't have any jurisdiction over you in the first place, so what are you doing here? The second thing it said was citizen was that it's a contradiction. So if you're a citizen, then you are. And they asked him to change his claim. They didn't care what he said. He could come in as a person, one of the people, anything he wanted to. He could even, you know, uh, title himself and said as a sovereign, which is the, the term that I use and suggest to people to use. So that was a very good one, even though the court said he had standing. He had a case. They didn't say that they weren't going to determine whether he would prevail or not, but they said he clearly had standing and had a case. But his capacity the, 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 that he was coming in under, sovereign citizen, that there was no such thing, and therefore they didn't, it's interesting what they said, they did not have jurisdiction. So they could not make an adjudication. So again, if, the, if man and woman created government, then man and woman created the contract that created the government, and man and woman created the terms that are used in that contract. So how then can you, as woman, deny the terms that man and woman created in order to create the contract which the government is subject to or bound by. Okay? So go ahead and address that aspect of thing and explain to me, which I don't believe you can. I think that's why you're kind of trying to uh, turn around and ask me questions and trying to, well, am I wrong? Am I not wrong? It, it's, that's not the issue here. I'm asking you to explain. Again, I'm going to repeat the question. How is it that, as you stated, you believe that man and woman created government in order to protect their rights, and yet, in the exact wording and contract that man and woman created, this corporation, this government, they don't use the term man and woman, but they use the word people and person. So how is it then that you can call yourself man and woman and yet claim that the government created by man and woman was to protect our rights, and yet they don't use the term man and woman? 
So I'm going to unmute you again for a minute, see if you can answer that question. And answer the question, please. Okay. You want to ask a lot of questions. I'm going to just go over quickly says, Let's take Sears Roebuck. Sears. Okay. Sears created some rules and policies that a man or woman, you know, person that worked for them, they follow. Okay. I come in as, let's say I'm going to take the title as customer, and I come in. Okay. Now, they have rules and regulations to protect me as a customer. So far, is that true to you? I, again, you know, it's important to okay, clearly understand I can't understand you again. Please back away from the microphone. Is this better? Much better. Thank you. I said it's Sears created policies and rules and regulations you know, for the man, the woman to follow who is hired. And at that time, they are an employee. That's the title they hold. I, on the other hand, I can hold the title as a customer. So once I'm in their store or at their store, let's say, I do not have to follow any of their rules, policy, because it's not for me to do so. But yet it protects me. But I don't have, I don't work for them. I don't have to come into work this time, go take my lunch break that time. You know, I'm not obligated. Oh, those rules is not for me, no shape, no form. Yet, on the other hand, it protects me as the customer. So that's what I'm saying about the Constitution. It's for what Sears needs to do as I am the customer. They have to follow it. Not I, if that makes sense to you. Oh, it makes perfect sense, and I totally agree okay. with that. Okay, so this is what I'm saying about, yes, man and woman made the rules for Sears. Yes, they did. And so, and that's what I'm saying. They made those rules and regulations their policies. But it doesn't mean if I come as a woman, I come as a customer, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, I don't have to follow any of it. And they say, what, the, what time are you going to come to work today? I can totally ignore it. I don't even have to answer because obviously they're not talking to me, and I don't have to follow none of it. Okay. okay. So this so is what I'm saying okay, about the hold Constitution. On. Let me interrupt. Let me, let me, hold on a second. Let now you want to talk over me, but then you're going to mute me out. But that's okay. Go for it. No, I'm not. I, I want to ask something. We've, talked two, we've had two separate sections, and in between each section, I want to comment, which is only reasonable. You made your point. I agreed with the first one. I even agreed with you on the second one, but I also want to add an agreement. I want to actually add a comment in there. Okay? That's how a conversation goes. You made your statement. I let you make your statement. I then said I agree. And then I let you make the second statement. I agreed with that one, and now I want to add a comment. And then when I get done, then you can go to your third point. I agree with what you're saying, but, <laughs> excuse me, again, I'm stating the fact that it's the people that wrote these laws that regulate them, and that was what I was trying to get to. You went off and you kind of side-shifted. You said, I don't have to do it. It's not for me. I'm not obligated to do it. And I 100% agree with you, and I can I can prove it or, or show it. or substitute. We don't have to, Colin. You just asked oh, me a question. I'm trying to answer it. That's what <laughs> well, I'm trying to And I'm I want to, to let me, let me finish. Okay, go ahead. Thank you. 
I know I'm a little long-winded in my points, but you have to allow me to, to be long-winded because I have the right to be long-winded, okay? Just like you have the right to be long-winded about yours and let you finish your point, let me finish mine. The point is real simple, and sometimes it takes a few words for me to get my mind wrapped around it so I can express it. Excuse me, I'm not perfect. The point is this. I said it before, I'm going to say it again. You went and shifted the subject over to I don't have to do anything, okay? But there is, no, I stated before, and I'm going to state it again, there's nothing in the rules of that corporation, that business, the Constitution, that regulates the people or tells the people that they have to do anything, either man, woman, or people, or even persons. So my point is that I'm saying is that there's no reason to state such a thing. And you're confirming what I'm saying. These rules and regulations only apply to them and regulate them and bind them. And guess what? Because it's in writing, you can point it out and say, is it not written right here? Is it not written under your contract? Da, 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 da. Yes, it is. I haven't said anything about Colin. I haven't said anything about man. I haven't said anything about person or people or anything else. That's my. That's the, what I have to add to your statement. Now let's hear okay. your third. Your, your third. No, okay. Well, let me add as well. Um, what I was saying was, you asked me. Your question was, if our understanding is correctly, what you know, since man wrote the Constitution, but yet there's nothing in there says man that it protects man. You're saying. So I went back and told you, where is it in it that Sears protects man and woman? They do. Okay? If I come in as a woman, I'm just going shopping. I don't have to, once again, follow any of their rules. If they ask me to do something, I don't have to follow their rules and regulations because it's not for man or woman. But they do have a duty obligation to protect I as the woman. Or, you know, as if you want to say to use a title, a customer. That all out. That's all I was saying. But you asked that question. Why are you saying you're trying to make light that? Oh, she said a man and woman wrote it, but yet she don't have to follow it, or they're not talking about her. I'm like, really, whatever. That's what you believe. Now, getting to your next section of the question, you want to repeat that? So we, you know, that established the fact about the man and woman thing about the Constitution. What was your second question? Have well, like and I I'll said try before, to address that. I think, again, and, and this is what you guys are so brilliant at doing, it just amazed me. I listened to the recording, and I go, how did this get to be argumentative? And I start looking at it. So it's just amazing how you guys have this natural talent to twist and turn something. If you notice all of my conversation, I well, never you can go back to the call. You recorded it. That's what you asked me. And that's me. Exactly what I'm going to do. And what, I'm, what is a very simple thing is to go back and show where I never said that any man was regulated by the Constitution, quite the opposite. I said that they're regulated by it. I have consistently said that no man is regulated by the Constitution because he's not subject to it, but they are, as I said before. The 14th did not create a 14th. You know, it's so funny because you guys say, oh, you're not listening to me. And on the chat, I see people going, Kyle, I'm listening, Kyle. You guys aren't listening. You know, you're so busy trying to force me to listen to your stuff and think I don't get it that you can't understand the fact that I'm so far beyond where you guys are at right now. I was there five freaking years ago, okay? You're holding on to something that you can't prove in law, you can't convince a judge, you can't convince a jury, and you can't convince anyone else. And you want me to listen to this? I listened to it for five years. I wasted 
three years of my life listening to this crap. And guess what? There's more people in jail because of this crap. I've never, ever once said that anyone is that any one of the people, man or woman, is subject to the Constitution. You know why I can say that? Because there's nothing in the Constitution that regulates man or woman, people. That's why it's so simple. Why don't? Why can't you guys get this? It's so simple. I have said, why would you want to throw away something that protects you? Then you say, well, I'm a woman. I'm a woman. I'm a woman. I say, well, I'm asking the question: Is the woman in, is per is woman included in person? Is woman included in people? And you won't answer that question because to me, if you do not, if you say no, I am not woman. Is I'm woman, and woman is not included in the terms person or people. Then I would say that you have effectively, quote unquote, expatriated or ex. I guess you would call it excommunicated or something yourself from the equal protections of the law. You have voluntarily said, I am rejecting the protections of the government, the United States government and all those other officials. And yet a minute ago you said, oh, they're required to protect me. And yet there's no contract in that says they have to protect you. Yes, as anyone, they come under what I call universal law that you can't harm another, unless, of course, it's to, to preserve a life, etc. But I'm talking about something different. I'm talking about their obligation to protect you, to give you due process of law, to secure your right, your privileges, and your immunities, which are not in common law. Right? You just have a right to not be harmed. But nowhere in that statement, I have a right not to be harmed, or I shall not harm and I shall not be harmed, there is nowhere in there that says anyone is obligated to protect you, your rights, your privileges, or your immunity. And what I've been asking all along is, why would you want to throw away something that people work so diligently and so hard and put their lives on the line to give you as a gift, which is a protection far beyond common law, which is not to do any harm, far beyond that to actually protect your rights, to protect your privileges, to protect your immunity, to protect you from invading armies, to protect you from anyone who might violate your rights, someone who might deprive you of your rights to life, liberty, to pursuit of happiness, to deprive you of your privileges and immunities and the enjoyment thereof. I don't see anywhere in common law where anyone says you have the right to be happy or enjoy or pursue happiness. And yet here it is in the laws of this particular corporation entity, even though it's not a corporation, it's a corporate type of entity, it's a corporate form of government. And that these people are obligated to secure your rights. They're obligated to protect you. They're things they're prohibited from doing, which I don't see. And that's my question is, it seems nonsensical to continuously go in and go, I am woman, I am woman, I am woman, I am woman. When you've established that, great. What does that do that gives you an advantage over somebody else? When it clearly states that privileges and immunities shall be secured, or uh, yeah, no law shall be, uh, no, no state shall make any law that abridges the privileges or immunities of the United States. So that clearly tells you that they can't abridge your privileges and immunities. So it's a real simple question. And I feel that you've evaded it because the answer is obvious. That clearly when they were talking about people, they included, it, it was all inclusive. 
of man and woman. When they say in person, it's all inclusions of man, women, uh, people, and persons, which could include corporations, uh, LLCs, uh, partnerships, and all the ones that I mentioned before under the definition of person. It would include all of those. So to me, it's very clear. They laid it out clearly. It's very specific. It means what it says, and it says what it means. Again, let's go back to the unanimous Declaration of Independence, which is the trust from which all forms of government are derived. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, what ends? That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. It is the right of the people. Even though it says all men are created equal and endowed by the Creator with certain unalienable rights, and among these are rights living in the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. So there's your word man again, but then it says it's the right of the people to alter or abolish that government. It seems to me that they're one and the same. Man and women, people, the term people is inclusive of man and women, but instead of saying man's, and women's, plural, they just simply say people, which is different from persons. So that's my opinion. Thank you for that uh, little interlude there. I don't see any other hands up except for face one, and we know we're not bringing him in. Rick, Southern Illinois, okay. Let me unmute you real quick. What you got, Rick? Hey, good evening there, Colin. How you doing, brother? Uh, I'm hanging in there, and I was trying to grasp this here the last 20, 20 minutes of going on about that, and I just, my observation, it's like, yeah, it was like at least a, a half a dozen times that you just, just answered the question, and it's like, I, I'm still learning this stuff, but what I got out of that was that she's not following it up, like, uh, like you're just saying, one of the people, you know, just you go like, I'm man and that's it, or I'm woman, and then it's like stopping it there. Uh, I'm trying to think of examples here. Like you can go uh, a man who acts as a police officer, okay, or a woman, one of the people, and therefore just she was just stopping it right there at a woman and therefore just leaving it like that, and then I'm thinking that it's going back just sovereign only. That's just my, from what I'm hearing out of it, and you're trying to say follow up as, as far as what, because you could say I am woman, one of the police, or one of uh, who acts as a police officer or whatever. Well, therefore, you're identifying as a person that would be part of the corporate, right? Right. Okay. So I think that's what she was doing. She was failing to follow up to a uh, woman uh, as one of the people, or is it just strictly sovereign? But just leaving it a uh, woman, that was, you know, and that was it. Exactly. That's why, I it to that, that's why I equated it to that case law where the judge has said, well, if you're sovereign, what the hell are you doing in this court? Yeah, it was just like stopping. I think that's where she was just like failing at the, it was just leaving right. it there and there's nothing more. And that was if it, she followed up as one of the people or an officer of the, you know, it, that would help distinguish it more. But one, uh, my whole my whole question was, as I was listening, I got on late, but the uh, 
uh, you're talking about the Constitution and that. Now, how does the state laws uh, oh, oh, uh, supersede uh, any of the Constitution rights? They can't. And the uh, and the again uh, to secure this, what is it called? Um, support to support this. Um, obviously, everything that everybody says or writes is just their opinion at that particular moment because we have opinions one minute and then the next week it'll change. So, But the beauty about writing things down is you can see how things are and you can stand on it. And that's why I say support. And that's that's why they call it supporting case law. You're trying to present a case. The Supreme Court has overturned its own stuff from time to time. Not very often, but it does happen. Um, uh, so... The, the the Constitution, Article 10, says the power is not delegated to the to the United States by the Constitution um, is reserved to the states respectively or to the or to the people. Okay, so what does that mean? Let's break it down. The powers delegated to the United States, guess what, are delegated to the United States. Once that power has been delegated to the United States the states no longer have that power. Then it goes on, nor prohibited by it, meaning prohibited by the Constitution, to the several states. What does that mean? It means that the states can make any law they want, but once they make the law, they have to go to the Constitution and see if it in any way is in, the, in contravention of the Constitution, which is founded on the principles. I say simply go to the unanimous declaration first because that's the principle and then go to the Constitution and see if it's prohibited. Clearly, the 14th is prohibited. No state shall make or enforce any law that abridges the privilege of the United States, States, nor shall any state uh, deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deprive any person of the equal protections of the law. So there, the, the, the state now has to go look at the statute and say, does this in any way uh, uh, violate for instance, or, or abridge the 14th or the 5th or the 4th or the 2nd or the 3rd, all of those enumerated rights uh, or, or prohibitions. So when it says in the 10th, uh, nor the power is not delegated to the United States nor prohibited by it to the several states, so that's what it's saying. The state cannot make anything that's prohibited by the Constitution. So if there, and that's exactly what this beautiful case was about that I just read. Uh, I hope you were hearing. If not, go back and, and listen because I read the whole thing yes. with the opinion of the of the courts clearly stated that if it's constitutional, that Congress cannot undo that which is constitutional. So they couldn't make legislation. They could not um, overstep something that is considered to be constitution because the constitution is clearly there to protect the people, of which that what some people might call a class or a group of people, among which make up the term people is men and women, okay? Um, so yes. to me it's very I, clear that once it's been granted to the United States, the states don't have it, and that's why you go look at ad valorem tax and who is in charge of ad valorem tax. It was That power was granted to the United States. That's why they, they, the states can't do this, this taxing, this ad valorem taxing, okay? Because that power was granted to the United States, which means the states don't have it. Again, then you have to go to the, constitu the state constitution and see if the state granted that power to the state as long as it was not already granted to the United States. And if it's not granted by that constitution, they don't have it. And if it's prohibited by the state constitution or the United States constitution, then the states can't do it. 
So does that did, did I explain that well enough? I believe so. Uh, what I'm uh, the reason why I brought that up and that was it was kind of tying into your constitution the the uh, laws there. But when I was in my court there, uh, when I later discovered that the judge was practicing law from the bench, but she had told me uh, she said we have rules. Uh, she used the last name and it's kind of like a like a mean kind of like look. We have rules under the Illinois Constitution. I suggest you learn them and start reading them and follow them. And I was like, you know, okay, but I just didn't know if the state rules. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Let's break that down. Let's break that down real quick. First of all, she used the term we. But yeah. she was talking to you. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yeah, exactly. So then what she was I saying by that talking. statement is she was including you in her group as a, as a public servant, wasn't she? Well, I think she was she was doing uh, Colin because uh, his attorney, the 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 defendant's attorney, was there, and I had no attorney, and she was more or less like including just him and her as the we, and that I'm not I'm excluded from it right now because she's not hearing me because I'm not an attorney, and therefore the we was just him and her. That's because she was looking at him and then. Looking at, uh, at me like in disgust, like I shouldn't even be there, like you know. But I, that's the way I interpreted it, and that I okay. had to. Well, let, let me let I me share something with you. Let me share something with you. First of all, when you go into any any, uh, my experience, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say it, you know, that there might be an error of two percent, um, maybe twenty percent at the most. But uh, my experience, unfortunately, I have been in good courts with good judges, good clerks, and so on. They do exist. But more and more, because I, I'm helping so many people in so many states, actually not just this state, but also around the world, and we're all, and, and, and the, the reason, it's kind of funny I did that because uh, I just feel compelled to do that, but ironically enough, the benefit from doing that has turned out that I have a much bigger view. I can see a pattern of activity from state to state to state, as well as country to country to country that's happening all over the world. That you have these um, these uh, these attorneys. I don't call them lawyers. Attorneys are at law. They're not in law. They're always turning law up on its head in order to bring the people to their knees. That's their that's their whole design. Now, when she says we, so so look, I need to make this separate. It's very important you get this. That when you go into these courts, these are not real de jour courts. Number one. Number two. She doesn't know the Constitution of the United States. She doesn't know the Constitution that she's sworn oath to. She doesn't know what she's bound to. She doesn't even know the Constitution of this state that she's in. I guarantee it. And that's the first thing I would have done. I said, oh, really? I agree with you. That's fantastic. Could you please tell me the 14th Amendment? Or I would have, by this time, I would have already learned the state Constitution, and they all say the same thing. If you go look at all the different states, this is really cool when you do it, too. You go to the state constitution, you see that they have almost exactly the same elements and more than the constitution than the United, the, uh, the, the United States Constitution does. It's just like the codes and statutes. When you go to the state constitution, some of them are really long and they're really specific, far greater, far more restrictive than the than the United States Constitution. It's amazing, right? They don't know the Constitution, and they're not abiding by it. So that tells you something right there. That tells you that you're in a, 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 a what we call a de facto, by force, um, uh, without consent, all the other things in the court. Um, 
uh, and, and just to answer your question there, Jeffrey, I've actually uh, asked virtually every judge I've ever been in front of to quote me one thing out of the Constitution, and they can't do it, either the state or the federal. They can't do it. I can't. I, everything I've been saying tonight, except for the one time when I was reading, I've been quoting out of the top of my head, and when I went and read it, I verified once again. I can even tell you where the commas are. I can tell you what letters, what first letters are capitalized, which ones are. Okay, so I am learned in it. They are not. I've done it. That's where the 10 questions came from. And the 10 questions, I'll give you real quick, and anyone wants them real fast, I'm going to give them to you orally. Um, the position you hold requires you to swear an oath of office. Is that correct? Yes. That oath of office is to support the Constitution. Is that correct? Yes. I accept your oath of office. Is that acceptable to you? Yes. Have you been paid on time for your services in your oath of office? Yes. Is there anything owed to you for your services in your oath of office? No. Do I personally owe you anything for your services in your oath of office? No. Good. Since you've been paid on time, you swore an oath, and that oath to support the Constitution, would you please tell me the 14th Amendment of the Constitution? Uh, 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 uh. Well, if you don't know, just say you don't know. Uh, I don't know. And I did this the other day just for fun to somebody, and, and once again, the same answer. You said, I don't know. I said, okay, by the way, the 14th, and then I quoted that part. I said, my the part that I love the most is no state shall make her enforce, so I don't want to repeat it. And then the thir- I said, well, okay, how about an easier one? How about the 13th? Would you please tell me what the 13th says? Uh, or, uh, uh, I don't know. I said, okay, well, it actually says neither slavery nor involuntary servitude except or punishment of crime whereby I've been duly convicted shall exist in the United States uh, or territory subject to its jurisdiction. So they, they kind of look at that, and then sometimes I'll take time to go through what involuntary and voluntary means, because I'm usually trying to educate them at the same time asking the questions which indict them. And then I go, okay, how about a really easy one? Surely you know the fifth. Come on, you know the fifth, don't you? And they always go, they always make an attempt. Oh, that's the one that shows you that you have the right to remain silent. I said, see, there you go. That's why it's important to know exactly what it says. Of course you have the right to remain silent or not. What it actually says is that you may not be compelled as far as I'm concerned, it ends right there. You may not be compelled to give evidence that may be used against you in a, in a, in a criminal case. So there's a, be compelled, cannot, you may not be compelled to give evidence. And there's Supreme Court cases that says that includes your testimony, your computer, or anything else, no evidence. You cannot be compelled to give it if it's going to be used against you. So then they look at you funny. I say, now, let me ask you a simple question. How long have you been on the force? Five years. Great. Suppose I was your mechanic. And one day, and I've been paying you for five years because you already said you've been paid and you've been paid on time and nothing is owed to you. So I've been paying you for, or or you've been paying me for the last five years to maintain your car, okay? And one day you come in and you say, my car's not running right. I asked one of my buddies and he says, oh, it's your carburetor. I told one of my other buddies and he laughed his ass off and said, oh, man, they haven't had carburetors in 10 years. You've got injectors and your injectors are dirty. Can you tell me which one I have? Do I have injectors? Or do I have a carburetor? And, and, and what's, what, what's the problem? And I go, I don't know. So I go, you don't know? I said, well, I popped the hood. Or you popped the hood and you say, well, show me where the carburetor or the injectors are. And I go, I don't know. And then I, you go, well, well where's the, uh, where's the, 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 the uh, I don't know, would it be the transmission, anything else you want? Could it be the transmission? Where's the transmission? I don't know. Would you think, me not knowing anything about those items, as a mechanic, I've been charging you all this time for five years, and I don't know anything about it, even when looking at it, would you say that I was committing fraud? And they always say yes. And even to confirm that, I do it nicer. I go, would you, if I knew as much about 
mechanics as you know about the Constitution, would you want me working on your car? No. They say no. I now have them without under duress or anything else, and, and, and the Constitution is clear. It says, by witness of two or more to the same overt act or confession in open court, and that would be open air, not under duress, with two or more people, a court of people, in open court, to the same overt act, shall be charged with treason. I'm not saying that they're engaged in treason. That's what the Constitution says. What I'm saying, and I've already asked them, wouldn't you say, as a mechanic, if I didn't know anything about mechanics, and I'd be getting paid, that I was guilty of fraud? And they said yes. This is their words, not mine. It's the beauty about asking questions and not making statements. Did you hear any statements? Did I make any statements in there about me with a man, woman, person, people? No, I don't need to. It's not about me. It's about them. Yeah, that's one thing I'm learning about with your teachings as I go back to the videos. Uh, always leave them with a question. Always answer a question. That's right. Because who, who, who answers questions, masters or servants? Servants do. Who asks the questions? Masters or servants? Masters do. And I have, a, I have a series of questions that works really good, and I've used that. Are you a public servant? Yes. Do you have any evidence that I'm a public servant? No. Do you have any evidence that I'm a servant of any kind? No. Good. Then I'm still a master. And as you have just stated, you are a servant of the public. And then I get eyeball to eyeball with them, and I go, conduct yourself accordingly. Are we clear? And I talk just like that. And I do it in the courthouse. If they're going to make me come to some courthouse, I guarantee you I'm going to talk to four or five of these people in the hallway, and I'm going to educate them real fast. And I do that to four or five of them. And they always eventually say, yes, sir. When I say conduct yourself accordingly, they go, yes, sir. And I did that one time. I had like five or six deputies. You know, it was like more deputies, more deputies, more deputies uh, were coming over. And I was educating them. I had a circle of them around me. And I'd done it to each and every one of them. And this really tall, big dude, he was sitting there going, oh, don't do it to her. She's a supervisor. I'm like, oh, yeah. And I did it to her. You know what her answer was? Yes, sir. So I'm not talking out of my ass here. I actually do this stuff. I'm not going to go into court and go, I man, I man, I man, I don't hear you, I man. Man does not hear you because you're not man. You're a person, I don't hear you, I don't see you, you're, you're man, you know? It just, to me, it doesn't make any sense. I want to talk to them. I want to educate them. And I want to prove my case or make my case. I'm going to support my case with other opinions, other court opinions. I'm going to support my case with law, what's written in law that they're subject to in their corporate charter. I'm going to support it with all of the stuff that I can possibly find on the record because it just makes sense to support your claim or your assertion, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, you got to back you, it up. I mean, I mean, just not, not trying to be rude here, but it's just, just, you know, how are you going to convince the woman uh, to sleep with you if you're not convinced her that it's going to be good for her? Right. It just doesn't make any sense. You've got yeah. to support your assertion, don't you? I mean, we could get kind yeah. of nasty and say, ha, ha, you have to support your insertion, ha, 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 right? Uh, yeah, I'm, <laughs> otherwise, I'm learning. Otherwise, you're limp, huh? I said, yeah, I'm starting to learn that, you know, uh, as soon as I started picking up on this their, uh, uh, this common law, and that it's like you don't want to give them the jurisdiction by saying more than what you have to, and you just leave it real short, but at the same time, uh, you have to play into their 
their uh, codes and that in order to say what you want to say. And therefore, you're going to risk taking jurisdiction no matter what, for them to take jurisdiction no matter what. So you're going to have to play with their codes. I'm getting, you know, that's what I'm learning. Well, what it is, what it is is this. Let me share this. You don't have to give anything up. You don't have to give over. You don't have to come under anybody's jurisdiction. Again, this is where it goes um, to capacity. And this is, this is where uh, Russ was like, oh, I get it, because he was sort of doing the same thing. But when I shared it with him, he's like, oh, I love that. That's beautiful. So it's a real simple thing. Under what capacity are you suing me under or charging me? The capacity is everything. Without capacity, and I got case law. If there is no capacity, the court has no jurisdiction. So they have to prove capacity. Now, jurisdiction, no. they call it in persona jurisdiction and subject matter jurisdiction. But capacity is something else. If What capacity are you suing me under? Mm-hmm. Well, we're suing you under the capacity of the state. Well, great. Would the state please take the stand? Okay, now when I say... Uh, I'm a uh, I am man, one of the people of Illinois. Is that is that stating my capacity then, right there, by saying that? I don't think so. I would oh. say it this way. I would say I am man as one of the people. So I never give up my what I call sovereignty. I never give up my sovereignty because I express to them that I'm coming in as one of the people, entitled to all of the protections thereof. But so then, as of the people, isn't my isn't my showing my capacity? Then is it? Maybe no, I'm not look. stating that I am a people. Okay, I'm not stating that I am anything. I'm not even going to say that I am the man. Okay, I'm going to use that thing which Carl put out, which I think is kind of cool. The lowercase I, uh, in quotations, man. It's kind of cool. It's a neat way. I I used to say comes now. I just and I still do that. Comes now. Um, you know. Give, I said, I, I've done it different ways. And, and you know what's funny? And this is what my mentor says to when I when we had this conversation. He goes, you know what? All the cases I've done, it doesn't make a damn bit of difference. What matters is the substance of the matter. What does the law say? It says that the substance is more important than the form. It's right there. Substance is more important than the form. It doesn't matter if you come in even as the defendant. It's only my own personal integrity, my own personal desire not to call myself a defendant. But it really doesn't matter. I can call myself a defendant all day long, and if I can box them in and I can shove the law down their throat and force them to abide by it, it doesn't matter. I can come in there as I, man, uh, supreme God, whatever you want. I know a guy that does that. He's just king. He goes by king. Or, or what was it, the other one? A uh, friend. In other words, I think it was Batman or somebody came with, oh, all right, you can call me friend. And so it forces them to call you friend. But if you don't have the substance, if you don't have the substance, the form doesn't matter. And again, what does substance mean? It means you've got to have the flour, you've got to have the salt, you've got to have the rice, you've got to have all of that stuff, you've got to have the eggs, you've got to have the milk. You've got to have the elements necessary. And it's a good idea to back it up with other opinions, other court opinions. Why? Because if it's a superior court opinion, then they're bound by it, and they know it. If you bring in Constitution, they're bound by it. Even though they don't like it in the states, they're still bound by it. That's why it's a good idea to bring in the state Constitution. Why? The state Constitution is a repeat of the federal Constitution. So you bind them up that way. I found that out the other day. I kept using the United States Constitution. They ignored it. But when I brought in state Constitution, all of a sudden their, their ears perked up. Oh, really? 
And it's really amazing when you read the state constitution how really upfront it is. It you know states it so clearly. Um, so so once again, you want to support your claim. You're making a claim. You're making an assertion. You're trying to convince somebody or somebody's. If it's a jury, and I and I've done jury trials too. Trust me, jury trials are harder than a judge most of the time because those people are even more ignorant, more conditioned. Um, and I don't mean ignorant in a bad way. It's not their fault. They don't know any better except. I would say it's partly their fault because they're not motivated to either teach themselves or teach their children the laws that of their creation, which just doesn't make sense. Um, you know, you're riding a motorcycle every day and you never teach a kid how how, how to ride a motorcycle. It just doesn't make sense to me. Um, I've often thought that too. If you ever got to a jury, and uh, out of them twelve, how many people out of their twelve would actually, in their own mind? Well, what would Judge Judy, Judge Judy do, or what would be, I, I guess uh, conditioned through these uh, court uh, uh, TV shows that they have? If they're not just you know basing it off of what Judge Judy said or what Judge Joe Brown said, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Versus and those guys really, if you if you watch, they're not that far off. I used to love Judge Judy. In fact, I agreed with her most of the time. Um, where I stopped watching her was I didn't agree with her um, attitude or, or her um, treatment of the people. I felt that she, um, you know, on this talk show, I found out that there's a lot of children, so I have to mute them out. And, and you can see on the board, if you're reading the board, you can see how absolutely rude and ridiculous. I mean, if, I, if this was, if you know, if this was school or anywhere else, man, they, they would have had a ruler across their knuckles a long time ago. Um you know, I mean, you and I have a, had a conversation here back and forth, and we haven't talked over each other, and we've had a, no. a good conversation. No, uh, that's you know. what I like about it. You know, it's like, you know, we're listening to your show here the last, it's been about a month now, and uh, uh, I feel like when I listen to it, uh, I okay, you have like math class, but you have math uh, algebra, math trig. It's like I'm getting an add-on, uh, an in-depth more, of what I actually was starting to study a month ago. Does that, does that make sense? Absolutely. Uh, it's been beneficial, and that's why, uh, you know, I'm trying to learn and say, okay, there's more more to it, you know. And I strive, and, you notice, I strive diligently to, that's why I talk fast, because I understand how much of this is all interlinked. And yeah. as, as a result of it, you've, you've got to recognize how it's interlinked and how one thing goes after the other and how to separate the law from what they're doing. And you, you, you must, must, must recognize that you, uh, I'm going to put it in a positive way, you must bring in the law when you come into court. You have to, and, I, and I'm starting to do that in my opening paragraph. I make a contract with them. I know these are corporations. I know these are not de jure judges. I know that they're, uh, they're not de jure courts, okay? In fact, I can't I can't find hardly any orders I've seen yet that were lawful court orders because they don't have the race, seal, and stamp of the court. And the judge's signature is not proper in accordance when you go to the court, when you go to the state statutes and read what a lawful court order is supposed to be, none of them have that. So that kind of gives you a clue that they have either knowledge or they've just been doing it so long this way and pass it to the next generation, next generation uh, of people that come in there that they believe this is this is correct, but the fact of them and, and, and I and I have examples uh, like the one with with this case that's going on with uh, if you listen to the one with Deborah that was on it where she told you 
that she actually, she said, they, they sat there and said, oh, you can't do that. And she said, it says it right here. It was, I think, where it was. They were saying that she could not file the appeal because it was too late. And she showed, she actually stated that in, in the code or statute, whatever it was, in Oregon, this is a case in Oregon, that uh, it is not, the, the, date, the time, uh, the time uh, does not begin. Uh, the, the, the statute of limitations does not begin until it is put on the registry. In other words, when that judge goes, oh, declined or uh, uh, rejected or whatever, what he's, whatever he says, uh, dismissed, and you object, you secure your, your, your right to appeal it, that's why you say object. You don't agree. Objection just means I don't agree. Objection. And what you're doing when you say objection is you're preserving your right to appeal. Now, when they say denied, you say objection again. Why? You're objecting again to their denial. And you keep on saying, and I learned this the hard way, you keep on saying objection until they say noted. And then you stop. And, and, and dummies will keep going objection, objection, and now they're getting on their nerves. You want to keep saying objection because you're objecting to everything that they're doing, but once they say noted, you're done. You've made your record. Let's move on. Okay? So... You know, that's where that comes from. You're saying, I don't agree. And I believe that another court uh, will see otherwise. So I'm going to just go ahead in one word, use the term that's used here, objection. I object. That gives me a right to go ahead and object and, 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 and prove my case to a higher court and see if they agree with me or not. And that's why they always say that, that, that the court agrees. The court substantiated. Because, you, you know, that's what it's called when you file, uh, uh, what is it, um, uh, admissions of, well, I keep forgetting that term. Um, uh, supporting, uh, supporting evidence, supporting documents, and you've got, um, ah, why can't I think of it? I'll think of it in a minute. I'm getting tired here. So when you, uh, this is a conversation I wish we'd had a minute ago. When you're, when you're in court, you want to abide by certain parameters, even though they don't. And you have to recognize that they're not going to. When you know that they're not going to, you're thoroughly prepared for them not doing so. And when you're thoroughly prepared for them not doing so, then you know how to make your objections, when to make your objections, how to make your objections, to even back them up with putting it in writing. You follow me? Yeah, yeah. I'm good. Okay, let me ask you a quick question. Do you know of any baseball game, football game, soccer game, or other game that is won with the first kickoff or the first man at bat? No. Okay. Think of court that way. The first quarter is when you go to district court. The second quarter is when you go to circuit court. The third quarter is when you go to an appeals court. And the fourth quarter would be when you go to a federal court or the Supreme Court. And... What matters is what is the, the score at the end of the fourth quarter, doesn't it? Right. When right. you get your head, when you understand that, as I said before, the only cases that are worth relying upon are the ones that people appealed. Otherwise, you can't rely on it. It's just an opinion of a lower court. And that's something they brought up about appeal because I went, you know, I was just in my, after my uh, attorney withdrew from the case, and then I was just stuck there like, uh, and I had asked because I remember I went through my divorce in the oh, in the nineties, and it was about four years. And I went to this father's equal rights group, and I remember I didn't understand it then, but he kept pounding on me. 
make sure you get a court reporter, make sure you get a court reporter. And I kept asking that, but I never got one in there, but never understood what a court reporter really was until now I started going into this case, and it just came instant to me that I require or request the court reporter to be present for all the hearings, and then the, it, you told me about sworn in there with that help my buddy uh, a couple weeks ago. I had asked that in the court, and uh, I even asked that judge, uh, I said, uh, is uh, a court reporter present? And she just gave me a look like Mr. You know, said my name like, uh, just like, we don't normally do that for these kind of pleadings. And she looked at the attorney and says, can we proceed, please? So right there, I didn't get a court reporter, but even though I had it in my papers, well, then I find out later after she go ahead and uh, dismisses the case, well, in order to get appeal, 90% of, uh, I believe, the appeals courts have to have a trans, uh, that's what they base their uh, appeals off of, appeal. There you go. But, so she denied me that, you know. So now I can't even go to appeals court, which is is a second quarter or third quarter on down. I can't can't even do that because there was no transcript. So how do you, you you know. So did you learn a hard lesson? Yeah, I mean, I still... Let me ask you a question. Would you you rather listen to somebody like me tell you that story or have you come on my show and tell that story or have somebody like me say, you need to have a court of record so that you can appeal, except I'm going to go one step further and I'm going to say when you make a request and they deny that request, are they not denying you due process of law? Right, yeah, I wouldn't have known that. And why did I just ask that question? Because right. a denial of due process of law is a denial of your right, which is what? Suable in federal court under a 42-1983. How cool is that? But, uh, okay, see, I'm learning something here. I thought in order to go to a uh, uh, federal court, you had to first go through the uh, uh, appeals process. For no. That. no, 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 no. And then I want you to read a book. I want you to get this book. Uh, I've, I've mentioned it before. You might not have heard it. I'm going to share it with you. This will help so much because you've got a mind that will, uh, you clearly are open to it. This is a great book. And sometimes it seems like you're reading stuff that is nonsensical or why am I reading this crap? I don't care about whether it's ripe or not. But what happens when you get through reading it, you understand and comprehend that you that, that, that I've never seen any other book. It's not just try Email to you, I was like, I, uh, even, I was in a special ed growing up, and I, uh, reading and comprehension, I just, still to this day, you know, I, I can read one sentence, and I'll have to, I'll spend five hours just on one sentence to try to understand what I read, and it might just be simple words, you know, but uh, I'm like on hands-on training, you know, it's like, you pay, you teach me this, like welding, that's all I've done my whole life in carpentry, you know, you show me how to do it, and I can do it, you know. Right. Okay, let me share this with you. I'm kind of the same way. Um, so what I'm making a suggestion to you may sound weird at first, but it really does work. What it means is that you are a tactile person like me. You're visual and you're tactile. You hands on. And and I and I, I you know my own story in school. I did terrible in certain things except for art and um, and science. Whenever it was, I did terrible in science. It was failed. But when we had labs, I got aces because I had yep. hands on and, and I could remember that. Now, when it comes to reading, particularly in law, it seems extremely confusing, et cetera, et cetera. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you, when you read case law, read it from the bottom up. 
you want to read the, the last paragraph first and then go to the next paragraph and go to the next paragraph, above it, above it, above it, until you finally get to a point where you're like, okay, this has nothing to do with it. I, I don't need to read anymore. Okay, so that's number one. When you read a book, always read the preface first and read the outline. Super important. I used to skip all that. Now I know why you don't want to skip it. Because you, it sets your mind up. Okay, it sets your mind up for all, for all of the elements that you're going to need that you're going to confuse you when you're reading it. You know, it'll be eliminated rather quickly. When you're reading uh, statutes, what I suggest you do, and when you're reading this book or any law book, what you have to do, will, for the lack of a better term, is read on faith that your subconscious is picking up the details. And you can have a conscious discussion about it later on. There's stuff that I have read years ago that consciously I still cannot necessarily put my finger onto it. But now years later, with all these other additions and experiences, like you have an experience, I could talk all day long about why you need, what it means to have preserve your right to an appeal and how you have to have a transcription. I mean, a trans, transcript, um, which is the audio transcribed. Um, and what's in there to make the record so that right. they have to look at and see because the appeals court is only concerned with the how the lower court erred. And if you don't have any evidence of what that court did, you don't have any recording of it, you have to create an affidavit that has to be specific, and that opens the door for the other party to contradict your affidavit, which, of course, if you do an affidavit correctly and you have a witness, they won't do. But it's so much more arduous to affidavit and remember everything that happened if there's no recording. i got a case just like that right now. I so I, if I can remember all the words back in 1994, what the judges had said. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. For, month. So you, you know, always want to get a recording. Yeah, you always want to. And when she said, we don't normally do that, then you say, oh, I understand that, but I need, I require it. I require it. So That's that I may... That's one thing a lot of people have told me that. A lot of people have told me that I've got a memory that's like, man, you don't forget nothing. I, you know, I've got to come up with stuff from back when I was eight, nine years old. And they're like, how the hell do you remember that? You know, so I've got yeah. that memory, but it just that you got to prove it though. You got to have a witness, right? Well, not necessarily. Uh, this goes into a little bit the finer art of making your case without other witnesses. Um, and I think I shared that before. I don't want to go in depth on that tonight, but yeah. we can talk some more next. You know, open up the show with me. Uh, come on, and, and we'll have this wonderful long, because this is where we really need to get to. With the conversation you and I are having are specifics, and they're helpful, and they're usable. Right. A lot of the stuff is just, you know, superfluous garbage. That's why, you know, I, I gave 10 or 15 minutes to it, but you saw where it went. It went nowhere, right? right. Did, anyone, yeah. did anyone get anything out of what she was raising? No. Did it help you win a case? No. Did it make you feel stronger? No. Can you stand on anything? No. So, and that's what I look at. How much uh -oh, is useful? Here? I want you to spot early, okay? And we'll have right. this conversation. And also notice how many people dropped off the moment we started talking about real, technical, hands-on stuff that, that, you know, Bing, yeah. bing, 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 three. Yeah, uh, I think it was quick. last week's show. I didn't, I didn't catch, and uh, you were, uh, you opened it up like we were filling in for Sonia or Sonia again, and that uh, you were kind of like, uh, like, well, how much longer I got to keep doing this? And it's like, you're going to drop off, and I'm like, man, don't drop off. I'm just starting to get hooked on you now. <laughs> yeah, you know? now, so. now, what what last week was about was uh, um, basically allowing them 
uh, open mic to attack, abuse, attack, ridicule, attack, abuse, and harm and maim and cause me pain and agony, which now uh, is how I gather, which I now made an audible record as well as a written record of their activities, which in fact are torts, and I can sue both in in, uh, civil court, state court, but I'm going to do federal because I I need to experiment uh, in federal court so I feel more comfortable in it. And because it's diverse, which means the word diverse simply means they're in different states. They're in different states. I'm in different states. So that's when you can go to a federal court when you have diverse states. Um, uh, so, you know, and, and that's kind of what I was talking a minute ago. You don't necessarily have to have other witnesses or affidavits. What you can do is a thing called negative affirmance. You can do, uh, this is the beauty about, about discovery. In fact, if you listen, I want you to listen to the call the last call with Russ that was uh, with um, with uh, Cheyenne, okay, Cheyenne's call, um, because it was great with Russ on there. He was he was just going over. He and I were ping, 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 ping. That discovery is so huge. Discovery, when you do interrogatories, that comes from the root word to interrogate. They are sworn under oath to answer it, and you have to craft. It's a craft. You have to craft your questions carefully. And what you can do is get them to answer questions that they normally would not answer or they would, they, they would try to avoid or evade the question, and now you've got them. The other way is to do what's called negative averments. That's where you state, uh, you know, you're, you're, a real, you're a real jackass, aren't you, kind of thing, and, and they have to say, uh, no, I'm not. Now, that's a different one. A negative averment is to say, oh, to say, that they do not have any evidence that you're a person as defined under the tax code. So now what they have to do is they have to come forth and show that you are a person as defined under the tax code, and they can't do it. So once you have that, you can show when they fail to show the opposite, you now in Oklahoma, for instance, they call it confessing. In most states, they call it admission. It's called admission, and that's why they call them admission statements, which they're not sworn under oath, but you can do a lot with admission statements to begin the boxing in process. So uh, you do a negative averment, and they cannot come forth with any evidence to the contrary. That means that they agree with it. So that's how you would do your affidavit. You, I always follow up everything I say. There being no evidence to the contrary, it is so. Okay, That's my, my little thing, my little ditty that I put on there and I put it at the end because what it does is it requires them to show that what I've just said in my affidavit is not true. In other words, if you file an affidavit and it's sworn and da-da-da-da-da, it can be used as evidence. And that's another thing. It's how you get, the, you get your evidence. You need to make sure it becomes an exhibit. You don't just file it in there. You have to file it in there as an exhibit, and then you have to refer to it in your, uh, in your writings so that they have it. And you can even judicially notice them of it as well. So these are techniques that we use as due process to protect us, to help us when things become as corrupt as they are, where you can box them in and you can force them. Don't get frustrated and angry because that dirty little bastard up there is not abiding by his oath of office. I'm telling you, he's not going to. He's working, as you said, adjudicating. What is it? No, he's uh, prosecuting the case from the bench. And all you need to do is put it on the record. Sir, are you prosecuting the case from the bench? I even go one step further. Are you prosecuting the case on, beha- uh, 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 on behalf of the uh, plaintiff or defendant here? <laughs> and they go, 
and then I use the and use the word appears. It appears that you are, because are you not asking questions that the other side should be asking? You can only correct me if I'm wrong. See now I preface it. Correct me if I'm wrong. But isn't it true that as a judge you're supposed to adjudicate based upon the evidence presented? That means he's supposed to be the one over there presenting the evidence, not you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I got on there because she she had even said. Uh, when I filed the papers there, when I went into court, she says, and you need to give him uh, the supposed uh, the attorney, and you need to give him uh, prior notice before you file any pleadings. You, it's pointed to him and, like, just mean look at me. And I didn't know all this stuff about practicing lawful events. Now I know. She was helping him out all or tell me what I need to do to help him. And, well, uh, no, in that case, in that case, um, Sometimes what appears to be mean and nasty sometimes is helpful to you. Oh, yeah. Anytime anytime you get a criticism from a judge or anywhere else, even an opinion, like I've seen opinion where people got all depressed and like, you know, the the judge says, well, you failed to do this and you didn't do that and you failed to do this. Well, guess what? Amend your complaint. (laughs) Amend your statement. Have a copy with you. Oh, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Uh, I, I didn't realize it. Here's a copy. Would you like a copy? Here's a copy. Maybe we should postpone this for a couple of days so he can have an opportunity to read it and respond to it. Always be willing to go along with it because every time that they do something to you, use it to your advantage. Okay. Yeah. Use it to your advantage. Because she has just now made a statement that you're required to do something, right? You don't have to give him notice. What it means is that you're required to, to give him a copy by certified mail. She's absolutely right. How could you... De- oh, listen, here's a simple thing to do. Get this in your head. Pretend that you're on the other party's side. If you're the plaintiff, pretend you're the defendant. If you're the defendant, pretend you're the plaintiff. What would you want done by the other side? That's what you have to do. It's just that simple. If you're a defendant, wouldn't you want to have opportunity to respond? And the law allows you 15 to 20 days to respond, which means when you file something into the court, the judge doesn't read it, by the way. It's another myth. People don't know this, and I didn't know this anyway. Maybe I'm the only stupid one out here. But I kept thinking I was talking to the court. I kept thinking I was talking to the judge every time I filed something. No. You're lucky if the judge will read it five minutes before before the hearing. Okay? What's going on is you're, you're writing something, they're writing something. You write something, they write something. You write something, they write something. Then the judge will say, okay, you guys done filing all your dumb shit? Now let's get boiled down and let's see what's going on here. Uh-huh, I see you did this and did that and that and that. I'm going to deny that. I'm going to grant that. I'm going to deny that. I'm going to grant that. Now, what do we have here? And that's what it means by a, a partial summary judgment. I have one case with a partial summary judgment. The judge did not want to give me a summary judgment, which is a complete summary judgment, even though I knew I was right. He knew I was right. Denied it. Didn't give me any reason why. I said, okay, let's do this the hard way then. Let's do a partial summary judgment on this, 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 and this, and this, and this. The other side could not deny it because what they did is put them in a box. It required them to, to show that they had evidence to the contrary, and therefore there was a controversy. If there's no controversy for the court to make an adjudication upon the controversy to resolve the controversy, you're saying it's blue and I'm saying it's gray. The court says, well, it looks like it's blue-gray. Or the court says, no, it's clearly under the law of this and da 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 and the frequency, blah, 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 it's clearly blue. Or it's clearly gray. They're going to make a determination based on the evidence provided. Evidence, and, and that includes testimony. Evidence is, includes testimony. So if there's no evidence there, technically they haven't provided anything. If you don't provide any evidence, there's nothing for the judge to, to look at. But if you have provided something, a statement, no matter how outlandish it is, 
and the other side does not show that it's not true and does not deny it, guess what? It's true as far as the court's concerned. It has to be accepted as true. Not has to in all cases, but generally speaking, if it's even partly reasonable, they're always required to be within reason. So you see, when you do a, a summary, which just simply means we don't need to analyze, we do not need to argue, because it's already admitted by both sides that this is a fact. The Constitution uh, was signed in 1828. That, you know, can you prove that or not? Well, here's the documentation. Does the other, now, you said that, and the other side did not deny it or show evidence to the contrary. Therefore, it's considered to be admitted. So okay. if it's been admitted because they haven't denied, now you can get a summary, a partial summary judgment on that one element, can't you? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like breaking the piece, uh, uh, breaking it down finer, taking little segments of it. Bingo, and that's why if you listen to me for any length of time, you will see that my greatest strategy that I teach people is I call it pixelating. And I tell a story, I tell it one last time, well, not last time, but it, it's helpful. And I'm getting looked at rather harshly. I, this is the short story. The short story. Right. It, uh, what was the name of that book that you said? You oh, said name of the recommend. Book. Yeah, it's called Federal Jurisdiction by... Erwin, E-R-W-I-N, Chemerinsky, C-H-E-M-E-R-I-N-S-K-Y. Now, I got the third edition for, like I said, I think about 25 cents at a yard sale. And you can look around on the Internet. You can look on um, um, a lot of times, um, um, what is that thing called, uh, Craigslist. You would yep. be amazed at how many law firms are throwing books away all the time, and you can go through and pick through them and find ones you want. Now, is there and a copyright date on that, uh, Colin? I know you said there's a third edition, but... It's the third, yeah, there's other updated ones. Um, is there any third edition that, you know, I should... Or, uh, yeah, updated. Let me look at it. Let me look at it. i got to get my glasses on now because I'm tired. Yeah, I appreciate you yeah, going to uh, this extra link here. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome, brother. I appreciate it. It looks like it says 1999 on here. Okay. All right. Yeah, copyright 1999. Um, but it's a good book, even even though it's just the third, because of the understanding it gives you. The case law is still good. Uh, okay. And that's something people don't understand. Case law is so good because if they haven't overturned it, it still stands. And then you can even look up on the Internet. You can look up stuff. Uh, uh, um, and, and learn your tools are on the internet. Uh, if you don't know this, Google Scholar. G-O-O-G-L-E-S-C-H-O-L-A-R. Google Scholar. And then click the right button. One button's going to be federal. The other one's going to be state. And then you have to look at what state, and you can find out whether you want case law or you want articles. I just go with case law. And the reason for that, it's a cheater's way of learning the statutes. Instead of reading all the statutes, which I'm now at that point where I do that, because I find stuff that you don't find in case law, but when you first start out and you want to win your case, you want to go and find a case, no matter whether it was for or against, and you look at the case law that's referenced and you'll find case law. And a lot of times they will define statutes and codes beautifully. They actually will define it. They'll put it in there and they'll define it. So, so the case law is super handy. What it does, it tells you the way they're thinking before you go into court. And it tells you what you can hold them to, what standard you can hold them to. Because you it sounds like it gives you a, a way to structure yours, your case. Yep. Bingo. Okay. Exactly right. Exactly right. What armament works? What weapons work on these people? What do they recognize? You know? 
I mean, uh, you see what I'm getting at? Yeah, what's that thing now that I've read out? It says uh, case law is copyrighted law, and you could be held for uh, copyright infringement. I've just read it, read that one time. Is that true? No. Okay. All right. No, that's bullshit. That's that's again. Anytime said stuff like that, just go really show me the case. Show me a case where somebody was put in jail or sued because of copyright laws. Just okay. anytime you hear something that doesn't quite click, doesn't sound right, doesn't fit. Just simply ask them, well, show me a case law. Show me some case law on that, will you? Show me, again, that's the thing. I started off the program tonight. I was talking about sovereign citizen. I was talking about common law. I was talking about common law is mentioned. As I stated before, you can go to many cases, and they talk about common law. But usually the way they talk about common law is exactly the way that I've come to believe it, is that the common law is not nearly as extensive as statute or codes. And it says that in the recent Supreme Court case on rescission, on a foreclosure rescission, that the, the court said even though the common law grants you, or, or you have, a con- you have, it's not grants, the common law has, uh, you have a common law right to rescind. Under TILA, you have the right to sue for failure to rescind, to return everything in accordance with TILA. And what it clearly stated is that the common law was much lesser, and this was in addition to. They're not changing, they're not altering, and they're not doing away with common law. What they're saying is you can come in under common law, and you can only do this. But under TILA, you can do this, 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 and this, and you can sue them. And you can get this, you can get that, you can get the other thing. And that's what I was saying before. Why would you want to throw away that which is given to you as a, if you want to think about it a gift? Hey, I couldn't sue them under common law, but I can sue them under this statute. I can sue them under this code. I mean, why would you want to throw that away? Yeah, I, I asked myself that when I heard it tonight from him. I was like, wait a minute, if I'm just going to do Carl Lentz's, you know, approach and, well, you know, you don't want civil rights and, you know, for Bullard, this and that. Uh, then here you talk and it's like man Simic you got more options the other way but you do and the beauty is it's written down so you can stand on it you can simply say isn't it written isn't it written and then you can go find case law that confirms that the what you're the way you quote unquote are interpreting it hey that's the way the courts interpret it too and guess what you're bound by that superior court I mean it basically you know what it comes down to I, I figured this out the other day it's 99% grunt work Go find the law, go find the statute, go find the case law, put it together. Go find the statute, go find the case law, put it together. Go find the statute, go find the case law, put it together. That's it. Yeah. Really, that's yeah. all that's there. Spells it out yeah. so clear. That's why if you listen to the beginning of the show, I took the time, 24 minutes or more, to read um, the Motor Vehicle Code in Virginia because people didn't believe me when I told them that it says it over and over and over again. It didn't have that effect. It says it over and over and over again. Motor vehicle engage in the activity of transporting and passing your property for compensation over the highway. So guess yeah. what I did? I read it over and over and over and over again. The definition of person. That's how we started off tonight. Is uh, uh, what was it? One, what, 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 one, two, three, whatever his name is. Uh, he sat there and Jeffrey. Uh, he's sitting there going, "Oh, that's not the definition of person." And I said, "Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Okay, let's go read what the definition of person is." So every time in the statute that it you or the code. It used the term person. I, I, I read aloud what that definition is under the code, which is 
and I'm going to pull it up real quick just because I know you came on late, and you'll see what I'm talking when I'm when I'm talking. I go back, uh, Colin, and listen to it. You know, I'm sure I'll I'm sure I'll understand it. All right. I don't want to I don't want to tie you up too late, man. I know you've been on here several hours. Yeah, that's all right. I I got to get going too. I got got somebody bugging me here. With she's been real good. So anyway, hopefully this is helpful. Um, and we could talk more strategy. I'd lo- this is what I really want to share. Um, uh, I know it's as I said at the opening of the show that it's titled, um, uh, or uh, um, uh, what, what is it? Uh, or, or I can't even read here. Um, uh, Canada, Ontario, Canada, common law. I said, well, first of all, I'm right outside of D.C., so I'm clearly not in Ontario, Canada, and and common law, I'm not talking common law except common sense. And as I said to me, all law, in my opinion, is derived from common law. So technically, from my point of view, I'm talking the details and breaking it down into pixelization and what works in strategy of the essence of common law. That you're enforcing. How are you going to enforce common law if you don't have a court? How are you going to enforce common law if you don't have guys with guns or Badges, if you don't have a judge, how are you going to do it? Who are you going to talk to? Who are you going to convince? You're going to go ahead and convince a jury of 12 people? Good luck. I've done it. Let me tell you what. I found out these – I was in, I was in um, one of the most – and I looked it up on the Internet because I couldn't understand when I lost the case. How is it possible that the jury could not put two and two together? And I went and looked it up, and it was one of the most educated places in the United States, highest educated places, highest echelon. And yet – Somebody told me because I did an old mathematical thing, which is distance times time equals speed. I laid out the distance. I laid out uh, the time. And yet the jury, as intelligent as they were, could not conceive that there's no way that I was doing 50 miles an hour in a school zone when all of the witnesses, including the cops, said that there was no screeching of tires and that the passenger in my car testified that his head, he did not lean forward, his head didn't go into the windshield, he didn't feel any stress on his seatbelt, so clearly I did not slam on the brakes. Yet, that cop says that he clocked me on radar, even though nobody else saw saw it, and didn't show it to me, didn't show anyone else, that he caught me doing 53 miles an hour in a school zone, and yet, where he specifically clocked me at doing 53, the distance between there and where he was standing in the middle of the road stopped me, and he had testified that he was not scared, and that I came to a stop long before I got to him, that physically it was impossible for me to be doing that speed and then come to a stop within that distance. And yet, because I didn't put the pieces together for him, go 2 plus 2 equals 4, because I said 2 plus 2 equals, I didn't win. So juries are not necessarily in your favor. Now, you may use it as a strategy to scare the hell out of the other side when you have a prima facie case and you spelled it out, as, uh, as, as my mentor says, that you put it on paper in such a manner that any dumbass underneath the bridge can understand it. When you do it and you do it right, you've got all the, everything backing up and it's easy for any idiot to understand, guess what? Bingo! They're gonna they're gonna cave and they're gonna want to negotiate. Right. And that's where we're at today. We're in negotiation. You have to box them in so much that they're gonna pay you to go away. And if you're not bringing an action, and that's why I'm doing a forty-two nineteen eighty-three and not a RICO. I have people and friends 
that have brought Rico and, and, and did really well. Look at tra- uh, uh, Trafficant. The reason they killed Trafficant was because he won that, the, the reason they put him in jail, because he won that Rico action. Rico's a wonderful thing, but it's too dangerous today. They don't want anyone going to jail. Nobody's going to jail. You notice that? No bankers, you know, no, no, no congressmen, no senators. None of these criminals out here are going to jail. They got that locked down. But guess what? They will pay you a bunch of money in order for you to, to sign a non-disclosure document. Take the money and use that to go teach 10 other people to do the same thing so that when corruption no longer is profitable, it will cease along with its influence. Does that make sense to you as a strategy? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yep. Live to fight another day, as they say. That's right. Yep. All right, brother, I'm going to cut it off right there. Hopefully people have been helped by this and at least the ones that may listen to this in the future, which is really, I think, the, the best audience that I have. Um, and, and, and I feel pretty good that we were able to shut down uh, most all the uh, the naysayers and the shills. And the, and uh, oh, I was going to mention one thing, which I never got to at the beginning. So put this at the beginning of the call. Um, this is knowledge that I have. I, I had Deborah on the show. You need to listen to that call if you don't know what I'm talking about. Because she uh, experienced it firsthand, and I was right there side by side and ex- basically experienced it with her. Uh, I'm the one that got the calls, uh, you know, when when they you know when her dog when they killed her dog. Uh, I was there when she you know when when she was telling me all about how she was like four or five hours inside her car where they were circling it, on and on and on uh, 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 of this case. Uh, there's tons of stuff that. What happens is, and it's actually policy. We now have it. You could, I, I have the document somewhere that shows this is what they do. It's a matter of policy. That what they do is they find people um, that um, they accuse of some crime, and because the people are ignorant, they don't know. What they do is they use it as leverage in order to cause these people to work for them. So these disruptors are not necessarily getting paid what they're doing is they're doing something in order so they won't they believe they could go to jail on because they don't have any uh standing themselves they won't stand up for their rights they won't study they won't learn so they take the easy way out they they basically throw you and everybody else under the bus they will literally go around which is what roddy and the rest of them are doing they're going around and sabotaging people and yeah that's what's happening to my uh my uh future son-in-law right now he's been in jail for a week right now and my daughter, she's all upset about it and that, uh, but they don't even, uh, there's no, uh, there's no uh, uh, verified uh, uh, complaint or a charge. It's the state trying to pay, uh, bring it up on, uh, I mean, any, they're using his back records. Okay, uh, a charge, let's be clear, hold on one second, got to be clarified. A charge means he's part of the administration. Or there is an account to charge, right? Number one, be very clear on that. A claim is a claim. It, it's somebody who has been armed, somebody who's been injured, and that's why, in my in my opinion, all these fall under what's called a 12b6, which is failure to state a claim upon which relief can be granted. So when you when you can show, and that's why I ask the question, what capacity is he being charged under? He's being charged, right? What capacity is he being charged under? He, he failed. A bounty hunter came in and broke her house, uh, broke the door open last week because uh, he failed to uh, 
appeared for a court date. And they, that court date he had put, his mom put 5000 up for his bond, and then he, he missed it. Then the bounty hunter came in, and now they're holding him. But the, uh-huh. I asked my daughter, okay. I said, what was the original charge for it? And she says, I said, what did, he, what did he do? And she said, failure to appear. And I said, no, that's what you said now. I guess he's two failures to appear. I said, okay, what is the very first charge? And they said, uh, there is no charge. It's just someone says that he thinks he took some watches, but there's no proof. And the person that brought this allegation up says he thinks he did, and that's what they're charging for. Okay, so you're right. You went back to the origins of the charges, right? Right. right. Now, what's interesting is this. I'm not saying whether I agree or not, okay? And, and I don't, there's no point in going around and around about this at this particular point in my, in, my, in my thinking. I agree. But because he did not show up for whatever reason, he was in contempt of court. He violated that order. And that's when a second bench warrant went out for him. He then missed that court date, apparently. So he now right. is in violation twice. Those are completely separate violations, and here's the reason why. Even in common law, if somebody makes an accusation and you fail to address that accusation, then it's considered that you are, in fact, guilty. And that's only reasonable, isn't it? Sure, yeah. It's like you're just running from her or something, right? Well, you know, only the guilty run. Like they say, that's a lot of cops use that. Well, why were you running? You know, well, I was scared of you is the first answer, I'd say. But yeah. the, the running or not showing up and not facing it because a man or a woman will step forward and go, false. That's all you have to say, false. That's it. What else do you have to say? She, you know, you can say everything else, man, you don't even have to say who you are. Those charges are false. Or right. what I, how did I get... How did I get two criminal charges against me dropped? And it was a total of six years and fifty or sixty some thousand dollars in fines. How did I get them dropped? I said two things. I wrote in paper two things. I have no knowledge of. And then I completely and specifically quoted exactly and precisely, exactly and precisely the charges, the two different charges. And I said two different lines. I have no knowledge of abandoning vessel. Blah 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 blah. The rest of the charge. I have no knowledge of dumping over 500 pounds, blah, 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 the rest of the charge. That's all I wrote. They couldn't get around it. It's all that was necessary. There's a little bit more to that story. You can listen to some of the other ones, but that's the foundation. And that's yeah, all that's he needs. Because that's in criminal I mean. law, you must have mens re. Where's the criminal intent? If I have no, listen to my strategy. If I have no knowledge and nobody can prove that I had knowledge, then it is impossible for me to have intent, nevertheless, criminal intent. Am I correct? Right. You're right. And that's what I asked my daughter. She said, Dad, I know he didn't take it, because if he did take anything, I wouldn't know about it. Uh, and I guess there were some watches or something. But he went over to look at a roller tiller. The guy had for sale on a garage sale website or something. He went and looked at it. He wasn't interested in it. And so he came on back home. Well, apparently his watches came up missing a day or two, day after, I guess, or that evening or day after. But he wasn't even there, even in the house. And he was the only person that was at that house during that time when the guy was there. So he's like, man, I didn't take no damn watches. But well, call yeah, me to tell you, like what, you, uh, you have my email, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think you have my number, too. 
Yeah, yeah, you gave it to me. Uh, yeah. Well, give me, a, give me a call sometime tomorrow, and we'll put a quick end to that thing. And I don't know if we can get rid of the uh, contempt of court charges and that because uh, we'll talk strategy. I, I have some strategies that might work. Um, but to make those other charges go away, they should be fairly quick and easy. Um, you know, and, and I call them affirmative defenses and, and, you know, no capacity as well as no standing and so on and so forth. They, they didn't, what comes down to what I'm going to do is just, since we're still recording for a quick second, what I'm going to try to do is show that the original charges were fictitious. Not only were they fictitious, but that the state, the court, the judge had an obligation to protect his rights. What does Hale versus Inkle again say, is, uh, as well as uh, Boyd versus U.S., quoting themselves? They said that it is the duty of the courts to be watchful for any stealthy encroachments thereupon, referring to the rights of the people. What does the 14th say? The, the state shall not deny anyone due process of law, right? Well, due process of law, they're supposed to be educated in law, so the judge is supposed to first see, is there an affirmation? Is there an affidavit? Is there sufficiency in order to play, in order to even bring this man into court, in order to have him answer to these charges? So if I can show that there was a duty of the court and the court itself was negligent, then the uh, warrant and the, um, the failure to appear warrant and everything else that will also go away because yeah. that meant the reason is because the judge was acting outside of his authority knowing or should have, it's called know, knew or should have known. His duty is to know that there was no affidavit, there was no supporting evidence, and there was no claimant. That's what I was trying to explain to my daughter that. She said, well, Dad, there is a claim, or uh, is a police report. I said, oh, how's that police report? She said, the guy reported it, but he, was, he couldn't witness it. Well, then the police officer wrote on his report that, he has a prior that's similar to this kind of thing, and therefore that's why they're arresting for it. Well, we know they can't use that. So anyway, okay. give me a call. Give me a call, right. and we'll see if we can, you know, work this. And, and you know, like we said, uh, we're just in the first play of the first quarter, my friend. There you go. Okay. All right. Well, have a wonderful weekend. And uh, thank you too. Enjoy that uh, new chair that you found. That natural was a pine pine chair in the trees. When you're cleaning the ditches, I think that's what you said it was, in uh, a natural tree, uh, like a bench or something. Whoa. Oh, you're talking about when I was in the woods? Yeah. Well, yeah, you were cleaning out the drainage ditch or something, and they found it already had a rock bed there, but you had found this tree or something, and, uh, a natural tree that kind of went up, and you can sit and think on it. I believe that's what you, yeah, I wish you had said no, that. No, that wasn't me. If I described anything, I was describing when I went into the woods because the first thing I ever read when I first read a first Bible, I'd already been out of the military and so on, but the first Bible that I read after making um, a request, I guess it was kind of a deal, um, I said, well, if you want me to read the Bible, then uh, I'll read it, but I'm only going to read the red letter. So I needed a red-lettered edition, and there's a great story behind that, how within three days uh, I was handed a red-lettered edition by somebody who said, this is for you, so a complete stranger. Anyway, um, yeah. but when I was out in the woods, uh, I think I'd been out there like three or four months because there was snow on the ground. Uh, it was the end of winter, I think, and I, was, I needed uh, to take some sort of a wash down, and I don't think I'd eaten for like two or three weeks at this point. Um, 
And I saw some water, and I said, I know it's cold, it's iced up, but i gotta, I got to clean up. And I was looking for a place to put the Bible. I didn't have any dry place. It was you know, freezing rain, and I didn't have any dry place to put the Bible. That was the only thing I carried with me. And, um, and I got down and went on faith again, because that's what this is all about. It's all about doing things on faith. So I went down to the stream and started to take my clothes off, and I looked around, and I noticed this tree, this big monstrous tree, with its root system hanging out, and it had been undercut. You know what I'm talking about? Like a cave, undercut. Yeah, right. It had been undercut. And I went inside there, and sure enough, there was these three roots that came together. They were curved and came together, and it made a perfect shelf, virtually exactly the size of the Bible. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And I was able to put the Bible up there so it was dry and safe, along with my clothes, and I was able to hang my clothes, my socks, because I washed my socks and underwear, because I only had those on me except for one extra pair. And I was able to hang them up under there while I sat under there with it snowing and raining, protected from the rain and the snow. Well, that's one way to hey. go. The Lord provides, right? There you go. That's right. And you had a book to read. All right, brother. Have a good one. I'll talk to you later. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.